Well, hello, everybody. How's hey, it going? we figured it out. I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> this show stinks. That's a, that's a great way to start. <laughs> the old Pat McAfee line. Anyway, this is Big Dudes in the Trenches. Um, we have all three of us here, so that's good. That's a good thing. Helpful. It's a great thing. And I say NFL preseason doesn't count. This is the weekend that football is back. Agreed. How, how excited are you, man? I need to go change my underwear. Dude, it hasn't even started yet. Like, <coughs> Jesus. I'm thinking about football happening, and I'm very excited <sighs> in many ways. No, now that it's creepy, no let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take you here with the NFL news. Uh, guys, some, some sad, sad news coming out of Kansas City today. Uh, legendary quarterback Len Dawson has passed away. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the guy that we see in the Super Bowl photo uh, with the cigar in the locker room after the game. Uh, now more recently made famous by Joe Burrow doing that in college, but the, the concept's still the same. Uh, four-time Super Bowl champ has an MVP – or a Super Bowl four champion. I'm sorry, I misread that. Uh, Super Bowl four champion, MVP award on top, uh, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, uh, all of that happening in 1973, guys. What what do you got Seven going on? Time here? Pro Bowler in 1973. Send it, dude. He was that good. <laughs> four four times Super Bowl champion, yet Super Bowl four is written as a Roman numeral. So that is impressive. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those days, I guess. Um, you know, I also would say I don't think this is out of Kansas City. He is from Ohio. Yeah, but the story broke out of Kansas City. They're the ones that announced it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just giving you shit. <laughs> I know. I know. But I'm still gonna <laughs> still gonna come back and defend myself. No, Len Dawson was great. Uh Purdue legend too. You can you can also say that he's from Ohio, but he also retired and died in Kansas City as well. So uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. I was actually in Kansas City today and they're there wasn't anything, you know, any billboards or nothing really recognizing Len Dawson, which I think is kind of a shame, uh, especially with how big the team has gotten again in Kansas City. Um, but I, I'm sure uh, week one or, you know, home opener for Kansas City, I might have misspoke saying they, they have week one at home, but uh, I'm sure they'll have a tribute to him and it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I have a feeling here in Arrowhead uh, erupt. For a legend like Len Dawson uh, in his memory, I think is probably the best way to remember him. I, I will say to one place where he will be uh, memorialized uh, because this is just EA's way. Uh, we'll be in Madden with a mutt card that is super expensive for no reason that half the community is going to buy. I mean, do we want to talk about Madden and the Kansas City Chiefs, how this how this all links together? Because we got a uh, Miko Hardman saying it's the worst game he's played in years. Like we got yeah. NFL players yeah. trashing this game. So yeah, but we now want to that's keep like the Madden cool up? thing to do. I just don't. Yeah, it's hard to care anymore. Everyone's gonna say it's the worst one every year until it's like just doesn't exist anymore now. And then I mean, there's me who actually doesn't game. mind this one as much. 
Okay, but then you get on chat with us and complain about it for half the day. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, okay. I'm not so Rod yes. and Moody. I don't know if you know this or not. Yes, there are aspects that need fixed. There always will be. It's never going to be a perfect game. But when I compare it to last year, it is much better. I don't want to talk about Madden. <laughs> yeah. You know what I do want to talk about, though, is the Cleveland Browns being without their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, for uh, – 11 games they have upped it they took the judge's recommendation and said that's cool you're wrong so i went and worked a backdoor deal with the nfl players association they both agreed to 11 years and i believe a five million five Jesus million Christ, 11 fine. years yeah 11 years dude that's what it should be uh 11 games five million dollar fine on top uh but all, right. all is not good in in the nfl world uh the nfl still does some shady stuff on the backside. Uh, so they made sure that his first game back in the NFL is against, oh, right, the Houston Texans. So I do have one possible defense for the NFL in this. And here's the thing. I fully agree that they're doing this because of the money reasons and being back against the Texans. That's too perfect not to have been intentional. But we have 17 game seasons now. If you divide 17 by three, that's five and two thirds. So the first time you round it up, you get the six game suspension from the judge. Second time, multiply that by two, you would get 11 game suspension. That is two thirds of the season. Can, I've never done it in thirds before. Can I, can I take <laughs> the uh, pessimist approach? Uh, please do, because I more agree yeah. with that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so um, what the NFL has basically now said, uh, and I hope to God this doesn't get us canceled, guys, but I'm about to go off the rails on this, um, that for every woman you inappropriately touch, it's only worth half a game. Every woman you allegedly inappropriate touch, she hasn't been charged of anything. Here's here's That's the thing. That's canceled more than what Doug said. <laughs> he ha has he been convicted of anything? That is a fact. He has not been convicted of it. No, and, and you're right. And there are no federal charges. There are no <laughs> indictments. However, I am more on the side of there's no way 25 people are making this up. And I mean, I'll just be the first to say that sex crimes are the hardest ones to prosecute. So I don't blame the government either. Like, is it wrong? Absolutely. Should they have made an attempt? Absolutely. But the evidence is so circumstantial. I understand where they're coming from. I mean, look, I think this was a setup from the beginning. I've said it a million times right. and the NFL said, hey, we can we can get him back. We can fuck him over for 11 games and then have him come back against the Texans. It'll be a great story. And oh, by the way, the Texans who he was rebelling against in the first place when all this happened will probably beat him because if you guys watched him in preseason, he looked like shit. By the way, Colin Kaepernick will look much worse if he ever comes back to the NFL. And it's it's all the Texans and the NFL are going to win in this situation. That's how this is all going to end up playing out. So I just I that sounds very conspiracy theory to me of a two year plan to suspend Deshaun Watson until he plays the Houston Texans. Why was, again. Why was he not suspended last year? Why was he not suspended last year? Because, because they were out? in the OK. Why, why has Alvin Kamara not been suspended this year? I agree. That's also right. And it's I know we're not a fantasy podcast, but there's no chance I'm drafting Alvin Kamara either. There's because the way the NFL works. They might decide midseason. Oh, yeah, we need to suspend him now. Like, so this say the, this, the, the root of all of this is that the NFL can't get discipline right. That is the biggest issue. Oh, here. absolutely. 
But the other part of it, too, and part of them trying to correct that, and they're doing it horribly, but at least attempting to, is say they suspended him and then it did break. The news absolutely broke that the, you know, what, however many were, were false accusations. Now they're, now they're liable in court for all his lost wages. That being said, I still find it hard to believe that 20 some odd women got together and sat there and went, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's go do this. Or the NFL calling 25 random masseuses and going, Hey, you guys should say this, that, None of that makes sense to me. It just, do I think the NFL took advantage of the situation when the schedule broke or when the schedule broke and they controlled it, they knew exactly what they wanted to do? Absolutely. I'm not a fool. I think that part was planned. But I do I believe the entire situation is it is made up in false accusations? Honestly, no. 25, 25, 30, whatever it is, is just way too many to be coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm I'm done commenting. On I think this. either no league way, gets discipline right in any way. I completely agree, Panda Bronco. I think either way, if it's a complete bullshit conspiracy, or if Deshaun Watson did what he's is supposed to have done, um, he's not a person I would want to be playing for my football team. So why the Browns gave him 230 million guaranteed uh, is beyond me, and I'm glad I don't associate myself with the Cleveland Browns anymore. Man, All right, move on, please. <laughs> Guys, moving on, we have a major trade in the NFL. Uh, headline breaking news today. Uh, quarterback Nick Mullins, the Raiders have traded away uh, their quarterback Nick Mullins to the Minnesota Vikings uh, for a conditional 2024 uh, seventh round pick. So in other words, they found a bag of peanuts and went, hey, do you want Nick Mullins? And the Vikings are like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> No, I remember when Nick Mullins actually played in a couple of games and then was bad enough that they, the 49ers wanted to play C.J. Beathard instead. That was cool. <laughs> I remember those times. Yep. <laughs> Just how, how bad does that say Kellen Mond is doing, that they had to go get Nick Mullins? Jeez. But they're still paying Kirk Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins oh. is better than both of them. So. Uh, you're not wrong. Rather pay uh, Kirk Cousins than try to give more than two dollars to Nick Mullins to play quarterback for me. <laughs> All right, moving on down the list here, guys. We have the quarterback battle in Carolina is over. Your week one starter is I hope to nobody's surprise, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's a much better quarterback than uh Sam Darnold. Uh PJ Walker, I would be thinking is fighting for the number two spot, if I'm being honest with you guys. Um, I don't know. I, this doesn't surprise me at all, but I'm glad Carolina is getting behind their QB one early. What do you guys have to input on this? I mean, is it really any surprise that Baker Mayfield is going to start week one against his former team? Like, I, come on. More NFL conspiracy bullshit. <laughs> I'm here for it. Well, I mean, just like what, why would you oh, even I... want somebody else to start this game? Why? Right. You're the Panthers and the Browns. Nobody wants to fucking watch you. How can we make it interesting? How can we make more people want to watch our game? Well, and from the Panthers' point of view, how do you want to attack this defense? Well, maybe you start the guy who used to play against them every week in practice. So, (laughs) it's nothing but good things for the Panthers. I mean, there's also the fact that he's the best quarterback on their roster. 
I don't know, man. Matt Corral coming up hot. <laughs> yeah, he's out for the season. So, anyway. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Tom Brady is returning to Buccaneers camp. He was supposed to report, I believe, yesterday. Um, he, news has come out that this was actually a planned absence from the team. Uh, he requested it with uh, head coach Todd Bowles a few weeks before training camp started, uh, saying that he wanted to be there for the start of training camp to get to know his team, uh, get 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 some reps in with them, and was going to disappear for a couple weeks. Uh, the more that's coming out of this, the more it sounds like it was time for a family vacation, and I can't blame him for that. Kids are out of school. It's the middle of summer, and a lot of the reasons that were quoted for it were a finding a work-life balance. So this this makes a lot of sense to me. I'm not raising any red red flags on this. No, no alarms. Everything is fine in his family by all reports. Uh, he and Giselle are fine. Uh, no help, medical emergencies going around. So everything is good news if you're a Tampa Bay fan and or a Tom Brady fan. I know. I just loved the rumor that he was going on the Masked Singer and couldn't be a training camp because he was going to be on the Masked Singer. That would have been that amazing, by the on. way. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, apparently it's still going on. I haven't watched a single episode of that, by the way. Yeah, I love the first couple seasons. It's just... I don't know. I just stopped watching. Yeah, because it's the same exact show every episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It <laughs> I is. wonder who this is. Oh my I goodness! I can't is. believe it. It's the <laughs> guy who got leaked social media two months ago. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I I didn't like dig into it, so I never ruined it for myself. But I don't think there were too many social media links. I, I mean, know. if Tom they... Brady shows up on the Masked Singer. <laughs> Yeah, if Tom wild. Brady shows up on the Mass Singer, then Ian Rappaport is breaking that before anybody else knows what's going on. That is where the good news stops for Tampa Bay, though. Uh, they're losing their offensive linemen um, quickly and for the season. Uh, these aren't minor injuries happening across this offensive line. I think two of them have gone down now with season-ending injuries. Uh, so Tom Brady is going to need some help up front. That raises a serious concern. Uh, which for the younger quarterbacks would not be as concerning because they just move out of the pocket, move the ball at their feet, create space, make a throw. Tom Brady has cement feet. Um, he has great footwork. Don't get me wrong. Exceptional footwork in the pocket, he but he's not. Pocket. Yeah. He just can't leave the pocket. Didn't he once run up underneath the center's ass to take a knee so that he would stay at 1000 career rushing yards? Something like, like that. <laughs> I mean, he's, He's not a he's not a runner, so right. Um, Been playing he, in the NFL for seventy eight seasons and has career <laughs> rushing yards. So <laughs> I will I will say though he's really good about just falling to the ground and not taking the big right. hit. Correct. Uh, so yes, this is not good for the Buccaneers that their offensive line is taking the beating they are. However, Tom Brady's smart enough, and he's had to become right. smart enough being older. Uh, that I, I wouldn't be too too worried if I'm a Bucks fan, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. I would definitely keep my eye on it. It's just it's three Buccaneers linemen now that they don't have this year that they had last year. Two yeah. of them the season ending ending injuries, and one of them to an unexpected early retirement. So this offensive line is going to be a little bit different. See how that works out. Again, it's Tom Brady. It'll be fun. They'll win a lot of games. 
just expect him to revert back to early 2000s Tom Brady and a lot of short throws uh, that gets right. the ball out of his hands pretty quick. And you know what? That's a winning formula for him anyway. He, yep. How many Super Bowls did he win in that era? I believe three. 87. That I, was, I believe three. That was the uh, middle 87 years of his time at New England. <laughs> and he wins. Man, I'm so sick of talking about Tom Brady every season for the every duration of my lifetime. Gosh, he was drafted in the NFL like three years after I was born. This dude needs to be stopped. Apparently, the NFL is only okay with one punter uh, that can boot it 82 yards. Uh, Blake uh, Gillikin. Uh, Bombed an 81-yarder last weekend for the Saints. Uh, everyone was celebrating. Absolutely insane. I think that's one of the fir- few times we've seen back-to-back 80-yard punts uh, between two weeks. Granted, two separate punters, two separate teams. Uh, but 80-plus-yard punts, that's insane. So the NFL said, hold up, wait a minute, uh, and then went back and called in Blake Gillikin for a random drug test on Sunday morning after this happened on Saturday. Absolutely brutal for them to do that in this way, especially because Sam, Gil- uh, I don't know why I said Sam Blake Gillikin is actually known for booting the ball a good distance. He was a, uh, one of the top all time leaders for Penn state uh, with punt distance and average distance punted. He's actually more consistent than Matt Ariza. I don't know, man. This this is sketchy, and I, I think this was less random than the NFL leads it on to be. Yeah, that's like half of the drug tests that happen, though. Somebody makes a good yeah. play, and they get drug tested the next day. But I just was... wish, I wish more than anything that he played cornerback, and we could call it Gillikin's Island. Right? <laughs> I'd be down with there, that. <laughs> there was a punter last year who did the same thing, got drug tested like three or four times, because he was making tackles, like he he was being a football player after he kicked right. the ball. Right. Uh, this punters happens... aren't football players. Come on. Okay, John Turner. Yes, this. I mean, this happens all the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> NFLPA needs to do a better job in negotiations on drug testing. Put it that way. Hear that, JC Treader, coming after your job, bud. <laughs> Oh, so you're trying out for the NFL next year. That's what I just heard. Yeah. All right. For sure. <laughs> All right, guys. I know it's combine early. do like two reps on the bench press. Yeah, I'm gonna be an offensive lineman. <laughs> I know it's I know it's early in the season, but we do have our first retirement heading into this season. Uh well, I guess not the first. There have been a couple early training camp retirements, but uh Shaquem Griffin. Uh, retires after four seasons. Honestly, what he was able to do in the NFL, even in his short time, was astounding and groundbreaking on all accounts. Uh, if you don't know him, his brother Shaquille plays for Jacksonville now. They both played down at UCF, and Shaquem Griffin is the linebacker, I believe, outside linebacker uh, mm-hmm. with one hand. Uh, I believe it's like – I forget where, where he – it stopped developing. Um, no, either he, one... I don't remember exactly what it was, but he had it completely amputated when he was okay. like, yeah, at the six. wrist. Yeah. So, 
either way, he has two arms and he has some interceptions, which is crazy. (laughs) Okay. Now that you say that, Doug, I I know I promised you were done talking about Madden, but I will never forget some of the screenshots I've seen of Madden, him picking off the ball with, well, no hands. Um, Because I have seen screenshots of him one handing the ball uh, with, with, yeah, with his stump. Yeah. With his arm. Yep. That's that's cool. Love, and love then, Madden so much. <laughs> Such a great product. And then ben I would awesome. I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Uh, I actually played uh, football, basketball, and baseball against a uh, a guy that also has one hand. He went on to get a college scholarship to pitch, and uh, he has actually started a foundation, national foundation, uh, Nubability. And I just put his website in the comments here. So go check that out if you know any limb different children. He also puts on sports camps all over the country. And uh, Shaquem Griffin has kind of been, for these kids, he's somebody that's been like, hey, you can do it too. You know, not everybody remembers, I think it was Kirby Puckett. I'm saying that, I'm throwing that name out, but that doesn't even sound right. Uh, There's a one, no, that's not right. I feel like this dude's name was Kirby though. There was a one-handed pitcher, Jim Abbott. There we go. That that is not Kirby Puckett. I know it's not. Jim Abbott, uh, <laughs> one-handed pitcher, made it to, all the way to the MLB. The Smash Bro, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Either way, uh, you know, it's awesome. The fact that he made it to the NFL is awesome. Like we already right. said, A- absolutely. And most players don't last their entire rookie contract. So the fact that he was able to do that too—I mean, that's yep. more impressive than. Uh, my NFL career. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yep. All right. And then finishing out the NFL news, Ben, this is a shout out to you. Uh, the USFL MVP, Cavante Turpin, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, has returned not just a kickoff, but also a punt return for a TD uh, in the same week last weekend. Absolute, absolutely outstanding show. But I got to ask this, Ben, one, you're a USFL fan. Uh, but two, you're also a return man fan. How excited are you to see see this coming back into into the game? And are we? And I know it's early, but hey, somebody's going to say, it. are we seeing the rise of the next Devin Hester? Uh, I'm going to say no, just because the rules have changed to make returns, especially kickoffs, so much more difficult. Uh, and then punts, it's uh, a punt. Punt is kind of just a coin toss. You know, will it eventually land on the side and somebody get that return for a touchdown? Punts are just a wild card, really. Uh, what I will say, though, is that the talent, and I've been saying it for a little bit, you know, talk, talking specifically about college football, but this is moving in, bleeding into the pro game. There is a much larger talent pool than people realize or want to admit. And one of these spring leagues is going to end up being a mainstay. And it's just, that's just how it is. The FCF doesn't need to have the most talented guys. Like they're they're kind of their own niche. They're they're going to be fine. But the USFL, XFL, one of them is going to be a powerful dominant league because the talent pool is there, and they are going to send players to the NFL. And I don't know that there will ever truly be an affiliate system for professional football, but we're going to be pretty close and it's awesome that the USFL, the XFL, and even the FCF for that matter are going to have national television coverage 
because so often that hadn't been the case. I mean, look at NFL Europe, look at the ELF now, and there's a Mexican football league that's actually pretty big and got some decent talent there too. Mm-hmm. But then compare it to other sports. Have you ever watched an AHL game on TV or more than one AHL game on TV, I should say? Or what about AAA baseball? I mean, G League, the fact that these guys are getting this exposure in these spring leagues and it's giving them the opportunity to go to the NFL and then prove what they can do is awesome. Not on TV, but minor league baseball is awesome in person. It's just oh, it is. the it's experience the is awesome. It's the best. You're just Speaking saying of, that because you got to meet Spider-Man. Facts. Speaking <laughs> of in-stadium experiences, though, uh, DC Defenders coach Reggie Barlow wants to bring back the beer snake. I'm or, on board. <laughs> on board. He, he actually said he wants to participate someday in the beer snake at home game. On board. If, Reggie, uh, let's make this happen, snake, man. If a beer snake gets all the way down to the sideline, I am here for it. That is amazing. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I will if go to that game. That soccer stadium, it's gonna happen. And if somebody passes him I mean, down a beer and he gets to add to the beer snake, that would be so incredible during a I, game. Having one, I would. Ex- <laughs> if that doesn't happen as they're coming out of the locker room at halftime, then I don't want. I don't know that I want to be a part of this XFL. <laughs> oh man, I. I Right, like I said, I'm there. I will be at if somebody starts planning this, I will be at that game, and I'm sure you guys will be there with me. Easily. Oh man, I I would love to see. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump to some college news, though. And by some college news, I mean uh, we could spend three hours about this if we wanted to. <laughs> I'm assuming that we don't want to do that. I'll try to keep things as succinct as possible. If you don't know by now, um, the Big Ten the Big has Ten just got signed. paid. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. Uh, they signed a seven-year media deal with a combination of networks, specifically Fox, CBS, and NBC, for uh, about $8 billion. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of money, you know? So that's it's $1.15 billion per year with escalation factors written into the contract for future expansion. This is also the first ever sports media contract to specifically name a team that is not currently in the organization that's signing the agreement. If the Big Ten adds Notre Dame specifically named in the contract, it was, this will go up to like $2 billion a year. <laughs> this is insane. This is an insane amount of money, and the SEC really fucked themselves by not waiting like another year, like including more networks, because ESPN got a such a steal on that yes. conference, and uh, the Big Ten is reaping the benefits. That is absolutely insane. But, but Doug, I got to ask, because now the speculation has to be an all-time high. Is there any chance Notre Dame doesn't end up saying, you know what, we're out, ACC, we're done, we're going to the Big Ten? Is there any chance they hold off and stay in the ACC? There is a very big chance of that happening. I would say that's like 95% what's going to happen. Uh, Notre Dame is stubborn as hell, and they're also really retarded. So they're... <laughs> 
<laughs> they're going to stay independent as long as possible. Now, here's the thing. They can manipulate the numbers to make this look like it's not as bad of a deal for them as it is. Because they're going to get 65 mil a year from NBC and get to retain their traditions. The Big Ten per school per year right now uh, in 2024 is going to be about 75 mil per year per school in the payout. So technically, Notre Dame isn't coming out that poorly and they get to not have to buy out their grant of rights with the ACC. So they can make it sound better. But if there is any expansion, which there is going to be more expansion for the Big Ten, it becomes worse and worse. And I would say the next round of negotiations is when we can start looking at Notre Dame more seriously joining the Big Ten. But it won't won't be right now. When does Notre Dame's ACC exclusivity run out? So this is where the ACC fucked themselves because their media deal, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't their media deal run to like 2035? 2036. I don't know if Notre Dame is signed in for that long. Necessarily. I know all of the proper members of the ACC are for football specifically are locked in through 2036. And the, the pay, the buyout is much less than it is for the big 12. For some reason, I don't remember why just the wording of the contract is such that it is possible that we could see, you know, in come 2028 or so 2027, when the big 10 is negotiating a new deal, it's very possible. We see Florida state, Miami, Georgia tech go to the big 10. And that would be the time for them to leave. So, all right, just a full disclosure, did a quick Google search. Mm-hmm. And all it's talking about is TV deals. The deal with NBC runs through 2025, approximately mm-hmm. 15 million per year. ESPN contract with the ACC runs through 2036, which we already talked about. I'm not seeing anything specifically about the ACC deal. So here's the thing for Notre Dame, which makes them special in this. They aren't a part of the ACC media contract. They're a part of the ACC and they have a separate contract with them as part of that media negotiations. If they are to join a conference, they still have a buyout with the ACC unless they join the ACC itself. So, Combining combining two things here, you know, Kevin Warren mm-hmm. was out there saying we're in the middle, we're in about year two right now of a five-year insane period for college right. football right? Uh, and conferences in general. And from 24-7 sports, Notre Dame's option includes leaving for the Big Ten in 2024 and paying the ACC, ACC's exit fee, mm-hmm. which is estimated – in the range of $100 million or equal to three times the ACC's most recent annual revenue. Or the Fighting Irish could stay put and determine what their next TV contract would fetch once the current deal with NBC expires in 2025. So there's nothing really specific of how long they're going to, you know, they're signed on with the ACC um, because they are some, they're basically partial members for football. They play five games a year against ACC opponents, but they don't right. do all the other stuff with them. And of course, right, so they're not members. They have a scheduling agreement is what right. it's called. Which, which I is... feel like 
weird. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably <laughs> that's probably on a year. Like, there's no way they're just they're member. They're not members per se, but they are. It's very very strange, and uh, it's gonna hurt my brain if I keep talking about this. So I'm just gonna shut up. So right now, the near term is the Big Ten is probably adding four more Pac-12 teams. This is per Brett McMurphy. Uh, If you don't know who that is, he's a writer for The Athletic and covers the Big Ten a lot and has a hard-on for writing negative hit pieces on Ohio State. So I'm very familiar with his work. That's why The Athletic is blocked on Twitter. (laughs) Found it. But he has said... He has said that the Big Ten is looking to add four Pac-12 teams, and he went so far as to name one of them, which is Oregon. Now, the only way Oregon would make sense for the Big Ten, per the other sources that I follow and keep up with, would be if that's an actual four-team acquisition here of Stanford, Cal, Washington, and Oregon. So, if those are the four the Big Ten is targeting, if they actually get all four, that would push the Big Ten right now to 20 teams. The only way they expand beyond that, I would say, is if Notre Dame hits the button. And then you're looking at probably going to 24. Other than that, 20 teams seems about right. Just seems hard to schedule. <laughs> it's a lot of fucking people. No, no, it's not the Big Twenty. It's the two Big Ten. Two X Big. <laughs> um, so there are a few interesting scheduling proposals out there. I think the most popular one would be a, like a pod structure, where there are permanent rivals, essentially. Um, not even necessarily a pod structure. It's it. It'd be more of the, like the permanent rival thing. A pod structure is basically just smaller divisions and divisions. You're not going to have that. Nobody really likes that in the conference administration circles. But if you have permanent rivals, that creates a lot of weird conversations. Because do you want to integrate your new Western members into the rest of the conference? Do you risk cutting off some long-term old school rivalries in order to make that happen. If you only have three protected rivals every year, how in the world do you not have Iowa playing, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, at least as two of them? How do you not have Ohio state playing the game and Penn state? Like that's, it's hard to make it, work necessarily cleanly (laughs) Uh, and then you have the team up north who has rivalries with half of college football because they've been around since 1736 and so nobody really right and they won like 12 national titles back in the 1600s and they think they're better than everybody else which is why nobody likes them so I don't know. There's a lot of things to work out with this. We don't know anything, I guess, is the point. And the Big Ten's making a whole lot of money, which CJ Stroud wants a part of. 
uh, and I get his point. <laughs> if we're talking in the billions of dollars per year, it seemed to follow that the players should at least see some of that money. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that, I was going to say, that's going to get the NCAA to rear its ugly head. Well, conversations about that too. Apparently, uh, once this round of uh, whatever you want to call it, conference realignment is over with, I would expect the top two or three conferences remaining to break away from the NCAA, for, at least for football. The NCAA, uh, who was it that said they really only care about basketball right now anyway? Uh, that was Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, and he's he's right. That's the only thing they really are in control of that makes money. So they don't There's run not, the college football playoffs. It's not playoff. baseball. It's not baseball. It's not hockey. It's not FCS or lower football, right? Where they actually have championships. March Madness makes them a ton of money, and uh, they have full say over it. So, right. So I would expect that, at least for football, you're going to see a lot of breaking away from the NCAA. I don't. I don't want to completely derail us here, but this is a long time coming because I, I do think this is eventually what's going to happen. Right. And for uh, we've mentioned it on the show before for anybody that's thinking, how is that going to work? How are they going to be, you know, NCAA members for basketball, but something different for football? It happens Look, for Indiana all the time anyway. Yeah. Indiana has a school sponsored, not a club, school sponsored hockey team that is in the NAIA. Right. So this is not unheard of. And I get it. Hockey's not football, but I don't think well, the NCAA is going to have much of a choice here let, soon. Let's take this even better. The recognized NCAA Division One champion from last year was not Georgia. It was North Dakota State, right? So the the break is it's already a clean break with the way they have it structured. It's just it's a matter yeah. of time to actually make it official. It, it is and it isn't because the NCAA will still claim Georgia as the national champion of right Division NCAA One. record books show Georgia still. But however. The one that won the but NCAA trophy through an NCAA correct. tournament. Yes, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I just know right. people are going to fucking hop all over our ass if we say that. <laughs> right. But it, but it's true. Like, UCF never won an NCAA national championship. No, nah, not UCLA. UCF. Words are hard. Schools are hard. UCF never won an NCAA national championship. Partially recognized or not. They won an FBS championship. Partially recognized. By one dude. <laughs> Yeah, and they're in the record book for it, so it counts yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. The same transitive property that has the Owen 12 UCF as national champions in 2015. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not saying I ran that through to figure out what the hell happened, but I hate you. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll find out a whole lot more about the Big Ten and what it means for all of college football. In the, over the next two years, I would say. Uh, 2024 is going to be a big tipping point when we actually have the Pac-12 teams joining the Big Ten full-time. So we'll see what happens. Um, speaking of the Big Ten, on Fox, Urban Meyer is back on Fox Big Noon kickoff. For his expert kicking analysis. I 100% correct. 
I hear he's got a, a beautiful assistant too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that chop house, <laughs> that chop house banter is going to suit him quite well. Um, yeah, real good finger techniques on the, <laughs> on the mic. Oh no, no. Anyway, I think somebody got a raise. Yeah, the Big Ten and yeah. Urban Meyer and and Dick Satan. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, Doug! <laughs> Fuck! I wish I'd save this fucking tweet. Nick Saban got a raise because Kirby Smart got a raise, and it's in Nick Saban's contract that he is the highest paid coach in college football, which is just fucking beautiful. <laughs> so it triggered an automatic raise and extension. So he is the coach at Alabama through 2030 now uh, and makes like $11 million a year to do so. So, Ben, are you talking about the tweet that was like, or you could have this coach for 200 some odd years? Yes. It was, it was it's fantastic. The, the sickos committee it, tweet. Yeah. See, <laughs> the, the, the only thing I do want to caveat, Doug, is it does trigger a look at his contract, but the board of trustees at Alabama had to approve it. So yeah, of course they it's, did. It's it's pre-approved though, essentially it's, it's that's rubber stamping time. It's not even anything. <laughs> they just called each other up, asked you had the stamp. No, Nick Saban called and said, Hey, I noticed my paychecks are smaller <laughs> than I feel like they should be. And they were like, Oh yeah, well here, here's my pocket change in the meantime, while I find this stamp, do more money. I, I lost my check printing machine. You will have a check tomorrow. I promise you $12 billion tomorrow when you're, I'm sorry. Have a good day. We, we pray at the church of Dixon. Hold on. And let's call this what it is. It wasn't, Hey, my paycheck was smaller than it should be. It was, Hey, my paycheck looks smaller than Kirby smarts. And they went, Oh shit. The entire SEC can be boiled down to a paycheck measuring contest, <laughs> so to speak. Can we talk about how how my dude over there is getting paid nearly a million dollars a month to coach football? Some people just oh, have God, it better than us. I mean, I don't dude, know what I don't know is, what else there is yeah. to say. He is living the dream. Yeah, love it. So fun. Shit. Shit, when's he going to retire? Never, as long Never. as that contract's in place. Ah, oh, somebody else got a raise. Looks like it's my turn. It's such a good and fair system. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, AP preseason All-Americans have been announced. Uh, we got first and second teams. There are more Alabama and Ohio State players on them than anything. They're number one and number two in the polls. Number three in the polls has uh, three first-team players as well. That's Georgia. Clemson is fourth in the polls. They have two, one on the first team, one on the second team. And then Notre Dame there at fifth in the preseason polls has four on these teams as well. Uh, so if you wondered why these are the top five teams in college football, it's because they account for 20 of the 54 preseason All-Americans across four teams this is jesus yeah so nil anybody who really truly believed that this would cause more parity in college football 
is very wrong. <laughs> yeah, I get guilty. Yeah. <clears throat> and the rich are getting richer. In, in my and, defense, uh, I didn't expect the boosters to get involved. I thought that was a clear line that they were going to draw in the sand, but the NCAA just went full hands off. Here's the thing. Look, look. I if never you thought... allow, if you allow money into a system, the most money in the system will make the rules. You're not wrong. I never thought like ULM would be competitive or South Alabama, but I thought schools like Birmingham, Memphis. Uh, See, but shit, all the people UCF in Birmingham are Alabama fans, not UAB fans. I mean, that's also true. You would think some businesses would want to step in and say, hey, we're going to donate like, this money because like we, it's good for our economy. Like FedEx. I'm surprised FedEx has not picked up anybody out of Memphis on a long-term deal or, well, oh, a four-year deal. I mean, Fred Smith doesn't give a shit about Memphis. He picked it because it was cheap. The airport now, was cheap. Fred Smith, <laughs> Fred Smith's not really involved anymore. That's a whole separate issue. in this Right, and his son is coaching the Atlanta Falcons instead of running the business, so you're not going to get any love down there in Memphis. <laughs> He's instead sponsoring Georgia. Right. Gosh. Now UPS might be more inclined to sponsor a college team down at UGA instead of FedEx sponsoring Memphis. I mean, my, my... either. Actually, the, the biggest NIL deal that was announced this week is Wrangler. There's a whole bunch of colleges. Uh, and it's like a bunch of them in the SEC and the Big 12, except they left out the Cowboys. They did not sponsor Oklahoma State or Wyoming. Like, Wrangler, come on. <laughs> How does that it make said sense? You just, got, you just got the Tiger King Quinn Ewers wearing a Canadian tuxedo for their first ad that I've seen. And they was... somehow sponsored Michigan State as a part of this. Like, how does that make any sense? They're going to make overalls for Lumberjacks. <laughs> Well, then go get. Wouldn't that be Minnesota? <laughs> go get the Paul Bunyan Trophy teams. It's all of them. It's, it's not enough teams. They should My, have sponsored the you know, Boise State Broncos. That makes sense. <laughs> not just, you know, Texas for the sake they're in Austin. Come on. I mean, be smarter my, with my, your branding, Wrangler. I think my point bringing up the the boosters too is I just I think they're way too involved in their teams. Like, cool, oh, you're yeah. sponsoring your team. That's where it ends. Like, you give the team some money, and that's where it should end. Well, Personal are you, opinion. Are you trying to read ahead in the notes and move us along to the next topic? No, I just thought it felt was... well. Like, it, I thought it fit right there. Because wow, what a transition! <laughs> to I've only uh... been talking about them for the past five minutes. Quinn Ewers has been named the starting quarterback at the University of Texas. Um, and all of the reports the week that this happened were that Hudson Card was winning that quarterback battle. And then in a third statement through an assistant, <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian didn't even announce this himself. They just had somebody throw it out there that yeah Quinn Ewers is a starting quarterback this screams of the boosters selected the quarterback for him and not the other way around uh Quinn Ewers was being paid too much money to not see the field at this point which goes squarely against everything that and I was supposed to be about but that's the world we live in so here is Quinn Ewers 
I'm not going to lie. If I was Steve Sarkeesian and they forced my hand like this, I'd have quit. I'd have paid whatever my buyout. Like, I'd have found a way out of that contract. That's yeah. this is this is my team, and and that even goes at the high school level because I know down in Texas, the high school boosters get very much the same way. And it's it's no, you hired me to do my job. Let me do my job. Say that when you're making five and a half million dollars a year, though. Don't believe me, just watch. I mean, good luck with that. No, not a sh- you're, not you are a, a what? you're a, str- not a <laughs> stronger no, no, no. willed man than I. I gonna, so look at it this way: you want when, you want this kid what? to start. So when when Q, Quinn Ewers starts losing games, mm-hmm. right, and Texas starts losing games, mm-hmm. who who gets fired? If the boosters have enough pull to say who's going to fucking start, I think they're going to have enough pull to not fire the guy they told them to fucking start. No, they're gonna. Fu- they are gonna be the ones who have him fired. It's not that the administration's going to. It's they're gonna go to the. Oh, administra- he's, he's, that's fine. He's at I least just made five million dollars. He's at least gonna get one more season out of this. Do what the boosters say. You'll you'll get longer leash than you realize. I just, and you just got paid five million dollars. Five point four million. Thank you for being a public school, and your degree is college. Sucks to suck. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Texas quarterbacks, Casey Thompson, the UT transfer, is now the quarterback at Nebraska. Um, he was just named the starter over there. Former Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez is going to be the starter at Kansas State. Isn't the transfer portal so much fun? We can just follow all these dotted lines together. And, uh, yeah, Casey Thompson just got officially named QB1 at Nebraska, which is nice. just in time because they're playing this weekend. <laughs> Yep, I was just going to say that. And speaking of a great, very fun trail of transfer portals to follow, we have to look at the news that John Reese Plumley was just named the starter at UCF. <laughs> the natural right. question is, who is John Reese Plumley? Uh, he played for three years at Ole Miss, one season he played in 10 games did pretty well obviously he's not Matt Corral so he didn't start for Ole Miss recently and uh when Matt Corral got drafted they brought in Jackson Dart from USC to compete for that starting job and Plumlee said no I'm going to transfer to UCF so why did Jackson Dart come over from USC well, USC lost all of their quarterbacks when Lincoln Riley came in and brought Caleb Williams with him. Uh, Jackson Dart went to Ole Miss, and Keaton Slow just got named the starting quarterback at Pitt as well. So those transfers happened because of the previous move there, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams to, to USC. Uh, where did they come from? Obviously, they came from Oklahoma. Now, Spencer Rattler also transferred out of Oklahoma, you have to keep in mind, and is the starting quarterback at the other USC now. Well, by the, the East way, Coast the USC. Original, the original? <laughs> the East Coast USC. They were there first. Don't care. They were there first. So who does Oklahoma have now? They have Dylan Gabriel, who for the last three years was the quarterback at UCF, and it came full circle, and I love it, and I hate it at the same time. The transfer portal is incredible and awful. It's the best bad thing to happen to college football. 
<laughs> Any comments? <laughs> Not here. Man, if I'm, I'm looking a little ahead. If Dylan Gabriel lights it up, it's just going to be more and more proof that one UCF is going to be just fine in the Big Twelve, and two. It goes back to what I said earlier. There's way more talent people want to talk about in college football. Absolutely. That is a good thing to pull from that and not any of the negative stuff that could have been said. So, <laughs> Oh, like uh, how we, all these guys just quit and gave up on the schools that they committed to out of high school? Yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have a new starter at North Carolina as well. Drake May has won that QB1 job. Obviously, Sam Howell was just drafted, so QB1 was vacant. Here comes Drake May. And he I. He may win. Yeah. He may not. He may be some. Trash. Doug, I, I don't know. Doug, I appreciate you playing along with that. It was, you know, too seamless. Uh, also, a new. QB1 up at the University of Washington. Uh, Indiana transfer Michael Penix is the new starter Penix. there. God damn it. Yes. Uh, if we want to play the Penix game later. Penix? Obviously, the uh, Seattle Penix. area would be in favor. <laughs> We're derailing For him multiple so reasons. Hard. It's only going to get worse. Y'all ready for a booty call? Hell yes. Uh, so, you know how I said Dylan Gabriel is quarterback at Oklahoma? Well, there's another quarterback on scholarship, General Booty. And he thinks his name is funny, too. So he just put out this merch line with some General Booty joke. And it's all fantastic. The General Peach. I really love a lot. I was just going to say that one. That is fantastic. Please heart tell me booty. he's related Classic. to John David Booty. He is his son. There's what no was, fucking what. Hold on. What was John David on. Booty on? Hold on. How old is General Booty? He's a sophomore. I don't know. Meet General Booty, a third generation football standout. There's no fucking way. I guess that kind of makes sense. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Okay. No. I mean, there's no. no shot. There's no shot. Was he his uncle or something? The offspring of former LSU wide receiver Abram Booty. Oh. I thought for sure. Well, I know they're and, related. I thought he was and a, his... And a pair of ex-NFL quarterbacks is set to take the major college stage. So, yeah, he's got to be John David Booty's nephew. Okay, my bad. I was this kid. I was but like, yes. "There's no shot." Because he, yeah, John David Booty's only like thirty. He's thirty-seven. Like. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we close could enough. be close to seeing to seeing little John David Booty up in college ranks, but I was like, "There's no way." We'll in the meantime, we have time. to we have to be okay with General Booty. That's fine. I just hope he's got something more ridiculous planned for us. This is a. Uh, he received name. his name due to his father Abram's fascination with the military. As a and fun fact to throw out there. 
Well, his last name was Booty. I... But maybe he just generally likes booties. That's that's my guess. I'm generally a fan of booties myself. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Yeah, we don't really yeah. have any uh, non-NFL pro news, so I think. Well, we, we do because we talked things. about it before. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. There's nothing. There's nothing really else to talk about. Um, yeah, if you want to yeah. watch the People's Championship, go to scf.io. They have it up. Click on the link. Nice, nice. It's a fun time. That's about it. But yeah, really let's get of. into let's get into AFC West preview. All right, guys. Anybody? One of you. Yeah, let, let's do it. Let's jump on into the AFC West. A bunch of coaching changes here. And by that, I mean about half the league changed its entire coaching staff. Uh, well, yeah, half the division changed half its coaching staff. Uh, starting with the Denver Broncos, they came in last last year in the AFC West. Uh, lost in Week 18 to the Chiefs, 7-10 and 10 overall. They're projected to go 9-8 and eight this year. Uh, with new head coach Nathaniel Hackett, the former head, uh, the former offensive coordinator uh, and quarterbacks coach for Green Bay, the former head giver to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, with him, he brought over Green Bay tight end coach Justin Otten to oust Pat Shermer, who is currently unemployed, uh, and then brought in Ijiro Ijiro Evero, the uh, Rams' former defensive backs and passing game coordinator, uh, in replace of Ed Donatel, who went over to Minnesota uh, to be their defensive coordinator. That looks like the almost looks like the Japanese spelling of Godzilla. <laughs> Broncos uh, have a beast, a defensive coordinator. <laughs> The other major coaching changes in the AFC West <laughs> is the Raiders, uh, who finished in second in the division, had a wild card berth last year, went 10 and 7, uh, lost to the Bengals in the wild card. That's going to be a theme here uh, for our, our team's last game of the season. Um, also projected to go 9 and 8 this year at 9.2, so they're actually projected behind the Broncos. Uh, but they're bringing in new head coach slash experienced head coach Josh McDaniels, uh, former Patriots offensive coordinator to replace uh, John Gruden, who had been fired for uh, unspeakable travesties in the world of the Internet. Uh, and, and Colts then, head coach for like six hours or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then also br- uh, bringing on – not bringing on, uh, replacing uh, Rich Basatia, uh, who is now the special teams coordinator out of Green Bay. Uh, with him, he's bringing Mike, uh, Mick Lombardi, the Patriots' former wide receivers coach, to be his offensive coordinator, and Patrick Graham, uh, the former Giants' defensive coordinator and associate head coach, uh, to replace Gus Bradley, who went over to Indianapolis to head their defense. How many Lombardi kids are there? Too many. Yes, agreed. Because I, I've never heard of Mick Lombardi before in my life. Nobody hears about the Patriots' assistant coaches. Well, especially the wide receivers coach. Because when's the last time the Patriots had a good receiver? Randy Moss. I was going to say West. Depending on your definition of good, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. Are they really good though? The final two teams, (laughs) 
the final two teams that are keeping their entire coaching staffs are going to be the Kansas City Chiefs, the winners last year of the AFC West, uh, going 12-5. and five. They also lost in the conference championship game to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, are projected to go 11-6 and six this year with Eric, uh, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy uh, heading into their 10th seasons in those Eric positions. Eric Reid and Andy Bieniemy. Yep. <laughs> heading into their 10th seasons uh, in Kansas City for uh, head coach and offensive coordinator, respectively, and then Steve Spagnuolo uh, returning for his fourth season. I know I butchered that name. I'm okay with it. No, that's pretty accurate. You just okay. stopped in the middle of it for no reason. I got to say, seeing that Eric Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator for 10 years. He's been with the Chiefs for 10 years. Okay. He's All only right. been that the offensive coordinator since 2018. That I makes thought a when, lot more sense. When I went on the Chiefs, it said he was returning for his 10th year in that position. Yeah, because he's been with the organization that, for 10 years. I that say- position is not <clears throat> correct. At, yeah. least, at least according to Wikipedia, from 2013 to 2017, he was just the running backs coach. Uh, yeah, which makes okay. that makes way more sense. He, Either way, anyway. he was brought onto the staff by Andy Reid, which yeah. is something I've never heard brought up when there's you know endless coaching conversations about how Eric Bieniemy needs to be an NFL head coach, and that's not the discussion we're having. But I mean, I could see a situation. Out. I could see a situation where he is essentially waiting on Andy Reid to retire. I think that. Could I think that's what's going on within the next five it, years it has to be because if i'm yeah. not mistaken he's the one denying a lot of these interviews it's not actually the chiefs yeah, yeah. which you know good on him we'll, I, we'll talk about Brent this Venables again in the, the same thing waiting for next year so. i guarantee yep. it <laughs> yep. guarantee right. it so all right and then for the final afc west team heading into this season you have the los angeles chargers uh their entire coaching staff joe staley joe lombardi and Ronaldo Hill are all returning for their second season in there. Brandon Staley. Staley. Joe wow. Staley was an offensive tackle for the 49ers. Brandon I'm... Staley is a stats nerd and goes for it on fourth down unnecessarily. <laughs> that's the difference. Because the stats there. are in his favor. Either way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that one coach from, from that one team that I've already forgotten about. Wow, that one coach, that one coach from that one team. That, that one really college team. Was it Presbyterian? Helpful. Yeah. That's what I literally just yeah. said. <laughs> this show is awesome, dude. Either way, <laughs> show sucks. The Chargers went nine and eight last year. Uh, lost in week 18 in overtime to the Raiders. Uh, they're projected to go. Because of that, miss the playoffs. Oof. Uh, are projected to go 10 and seven uh, overall this year with a 10.4. So they're projected to come in second in the division. And Doug, I'm glad you brought that up because I almost forgot about what that was and how everybody was convinced both teams were just going to knee it out in overtime. So they both went to the playoffs. I remember those conversations now. That's what I was hoping for. I know it would have been awesome. And I think, I mean, that would have stopped the Bengals run. (laughs) That's one way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Playing golf. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna make the bold claim so, here. Wait, so that's two different Lombardi kids being offensive coordinators in the AFC uh, West. Yes, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there is royalty in football, and their name is either Belichick or Lombardi. Well, and the Belichick's only coach for the Patriots anymore. They just stay in that one little circle. There's only two of them. 
Right. They stay confined to their own corner of the league. I can handle that emotionally. Well, the Lombardis no. spread their seed and it's gross. No, no. They're staying to one <laughs> corner of the league. It's just a division, not a team. There's more than two Lombardis in the NFL right now. I promise you. It's the Lombardi name literally everywhere. And everyone's like, well, if we have a Lombardi, then we'll get a Lombardi. It's like, that's not how this works. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm looking at this division. You need, to, you need to pay for a brand new stadium in a high market, TV, big TV market to get a Lombardi trophy. That's how that works. <laughs> How's that worked out for the Chargers so far? Uh, we'll find know, out ask, this year. Ask the Rams. <laughs> Yeah, the Chargers didn't pay for the stadium. They just rent it. Exactly. Whose house? Rams house. Exactly. All right, guys. I'm looking at this division up and down, and barring anything significant, um, newsworthy that we'll end up talking about, I don't see any hot seats. Uh, I think a lot of the coaching staffs are young. Um, actually, three of the four teams are very new coaching staffs. Uh, I, I don't see anybody on the hot seat. Do you guys have any any disagreements there? I don't know, man. Andy Reid comes out like 0 and 10. There'd be some questions. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm barring something Look, newsworthy. <laughs> I think everybody is safe this year. I, yeah. I'm going to, Doug, I'm going to go ahead and say that if uh, Matt Nagy can finish an entire season, Andy Reid can finish the season after going. Matt Nagy uh, can only finish an entire season because the Bears refuse to hire any, or fire anybody midseason. Specifically, I, Virginia McCaskey refuses to fire anybody midseason. Yeah, Andy Reid get that Clay Hilton treatment. <laughs> Four games in, just like, nope. <laughs> no, you're right. There's, there's no way anybody loses their job this year. <laughs> All right, guys. Looking into the depth charts, I blanked on what we call these. I'm sorry. Uh I'm going to go ahead and say that top to bottom, this is probably the best quarterback uh, uh, division in the NFL this year. Uh, Broncos making a massive trade in the offseason with the uh, with the Seahawks to bring in Russell Wilson. Uh, the Chiefs obviously have Patty Mahomes. Raiders are now chilling with Derek Carr. They brought in Jarrett Stidham to back up Derek Carr, just traded away Nick Mullins. And they have Chase Garbers uh, coming in third as a rookie. And then finally, the Chargers have Justin Herbert and followed by Chase Daniel and Easton Stick. What what do you think, guys? I still think the Chiefs have one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL in Chad Henney. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of these uh, quarterback rooms? I don't know, man. I think the NFC East is a stiff competition. Just stop with the sarcasm, man. Come (laughs) on. Uh, Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, who could tell a difference? Let's be real. <laughs> well, I mean, that's true in like week 13. You, fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, this, yeah. All four of these teams are going to be great. It's, yeah. <laughs> great inputs from Doug there. <laughs> Did Shane Buchel get hurt? Am I imagining that? Um. I don't know. Sorry, right. he's gonna end up on the practice squad either way. Probably. Yeah, I true. Man, Josh Johnson, can we talk about this story for uh Denver right now? Sure. This dude is the ultimate journeyman. He's played for like twenty something NFL teams. He played in the XFL. He might have even played in the AAF. I don't remember. I mean, 
It's just uh, he's, him to grow he's a beard, almost, and we'll have a new clipboard Jesus. He's almost like Chase Daniel, where he's just played forever. Josh McCown, another guy that comes to mind. So you got two guys like that in this division, and then you got the Raiders and the Chiefs with you know guys that if they don't, the Raiders I think are probably the worst off. Chiefs probably the best off, and then it's a toss up between the Broncos and the Chargers. However, you want to rank them two and three. I mean, you're probably right at the same time. All four of these teams are still in, like, the top. Definitely the top half of the league as far as quarterback rooms. I would I say see, top 10 quarterback I, rooms. I would say top 12, top 10, yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> – Jarrett Stidham as your backup? I don't know. No, uh, not too many later. teams have great backup quarterback situations. That's true. And I mean, I we're looking, really we're looking off, at three of them, though. I mean, it's off like 20 teams that don't have a good enough starting quarterback to compete with the Raiders for the running quarterback room title. So, I mean, it's yeah, they're they're set at quarterback. The question is going to come down to who can stop these quarterbacks. And yeah. I don't know that anybody in this division can stop any of these quarterbacks, I, but we shall th- see. Now that I'm looking at this, I'm starting to think we're looking at the Big 12 of the NFL this year. What's sad, though, is all of these teams have made adjustments and drafts and trades over the past two years, free agency acquisitions, to improve Mm -hmm. the back end of their defense, and it's still just going to be an absolute shootout every week. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and to some extent, I don't know that that's necessarily the fault of the defenses here either. Because when they play other teams, it's not like they're getting into shootouts everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's they have shootouts with great offenses. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily blame a defense for that. So I'm going to make this a little more challenging and ask you guys who has the best running back room in this conference or in this division. Uh, for the Broncos, you've got Javante Williams looking like he's pulling out ahead in that in that race over Melvin Gordon uh, chiefs. You got Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon, and Philip Lindsay uh, along with rookie Isaiah Pacheco uh, Raiders. You have Josh Jacobs followed by Brandon Bolden and the rookie who's probably gonna move up to number two in the depth chart here sooner rather than later in Zamir white uh, Kenyon Drake was just cut. And then following him would have been rookie Britton Brown. And then the chargers have Austin Eckler uh, rookie Isaiah Spiller Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, Kevin Max Jr., and Letty Brown. Guys, who's got the best running back room in, in, in the AFC West? I would say the Chargers, just because of how much I like Eckler and Spiller. I don't have as much faith in Melvin Gordon as I probably should. At this point, I'm like almost scared off of him which isn't necessarily fair. Um, I mean, the Raiders is going to be a pure committee at this point. And Andy Reid's out here talking about how much he basically in press conference is talking about how much he prefers Checo to Clyde Edwards Alaire. So <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there. It's obviously the Broncos and the Chargers in some order. I'd take the Chargers personally. It's crazy to me that Ronald Jones is basically fighting for a roster spot at this point. I mean, 
two years ago, everybody was <laughs> so high on this guy. I think the Chiefs, you know, you asked for the best. I think the Chiefs kind of have the worst because we've all kind of seen CEH is not as, you know, advertised. Like his first game yeah, against the Texans a, was amazing. What a first round pick. <laughs> yeah, his first game imagine, against the Dude, imagine right now. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. You're fine. Imagine, imagine if the Chiefs, instead of drafting CEH, got Jonathan Taylor. Because he was on the board. Right. Yeah. Actually, if Clyde Edwards Alaire, and here's the thing, like to that to that end, Ch isn't even looking like a lock for starting running back right now either. It could be Jarek McKinnon, you know, right. which you know we are. You just talked about it. Like it's it's such there is so much uncertainty, and then Philip Lindsay being in that room too. It's just man, it's I like Philip Lindsay, but not I as do a too. rotational running back. <laughs> No. I like him as depth. He's great for that. Yep. <laughs> if I remember right, too, that was the first draft we streamed, and uh, we lost our minds when it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over Jonathan Taylor, if if I remember that right. Yeah. I mean, I just remember thinking at the time, I guess he makes more sense as a scheme fit, but we're seeing now that Jonathan Taylor can do everything, so why not take yep. <laughs> They've basically got five guys that they're hoping one of them will work out. Uh, it's a really tough spot to be in. Dude, you know how good five guys sounds right now? God damn it. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to move us down to wide receivers. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm stuck between two here. Hold um, the phone. We just no skipped the most the important fullback? position on the offense. I mean, okay. So the Broncos have Andrew Beck. The Chiefs have Michael Burton, the Raiders have Jacob Johnson, and the Chargers have Xander Horvath as the rookie and Gabe Nap Neighbors? Navers? They have Gabe. Doesn't um, matter. Xander Horvath is a beast. Didn't plant him in no time at all. Horvath is awesome, dude. I, actually I believe that. legitimately love Xander Horvath. Andrew Beck is a monster that everyone forgets is in the league, dude. Like, legitimately two of the best fullbacks in the NFL right now. And one of them's a rookie. So that's how much I think of the Purdue product. Well, the, I think the best fullback in the week we'll, uh, we'll talk about next week. So stay tuned. If you enjoy Facts. fullback talk juice. Anyway, now on to receivers. There you go. I guess <laughs> if we have to. All right, guys, I I'm stuck between two wide receiver rooms here. I'm sorry. I'm not a huge fan of, Kansas City's wide receiver rooms this year. I think they took a, a large step back. Uh, they still have some potential. No I'm, way, really? Yeah, they losing Tyree Kill, and they took yeah. a step back. Un, un, unthinkable. But I actually really like the Chargers and the Raiders um, wide receiver rooms here. So you got for the Chargers, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Joshua Joshua Palmer, uh, Michael Bandy, Jalen Guyton. Uh, and then for the Raiders, you've got Devontae Adams in a trade. They signed Matt Collins out of Miami. Uh, you've got Hunter third in Renfro. Um, yeah, Ke uh, Keelan Cole, Tyron Johnson, and DJ Turner. To me, those are the top two wide receiver rooms in this in this division. Um, the Broncos wide receiver rooms getting kind of beat up or is still very young. Jerry Judy has potential to be a top wide receiver. I'm not a huge believer in Cortland Sutton. Uh, KJ Hamler is always solid, but he's not a, a stud. 
uh, Tyree Cleveland, and then Montreal Washington. And the big negative for, for Denver is losing Tim Patrick for the season. Where are you guys at with these wide receiver rooms? I can't believe I'm doing a podcast with a KJ Hamler hater. I'm not a hater. I said he was solid. You despicable human being. Just hating on this man for no reason. <laughs> no, obviously the Chiefs with MVS and Juju. That's weird. Why are they doing what they're doing? Uh, I mean, I actually think S- Sky Moore might be the primary wide receiver by the end of the year. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Um, man, Devonta Adams is such a huge addition. This for as great as the quarterback situations are, you would think they would invest a little bit more in some pass catching. Uh, but the only have done that season is the Raiders, and the only one to have done it recently in the past at a high level is the Chargers. So you're 100% right. Those are the two best in my mind as well. But I'll throw this out here. It's interesting. Interesting division for receivers. You've got two questionable wide receiver room in Denver and Kansas city, but you have two elite quarterbacks in those on those same teams. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what an elite quarterback in green Bay has been able to do with one of the guys in one of these rooms and another band of misfits. I will say there's two, definitely two of the guys in two of these different rooms. Yeah. Well, okay. Devonte Adams doesn't need to have Aaron Rodgers to be just, amazing. Right. That's I, I know. I, I get you're, you're right. My point is MVS is not an elite wide receiver the way that Devontae Adams is. My point is I'm not going to write these teams off yet because they do have one receiver that could potentially be something amazing. We don't know what Sky Moore is going to do at the NFL level yet. I do think Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy is primed for a breakout season. And, oh, by the way, Miko Hardman, Juju, or MVS could have a breakout season and cement themselves as a for sure wide receiver one anywhere. I mean, fuck it. They got Patrick Mahomes. All three of them break out in the same year. All three of them go for at least 1,500 yards. Make it happen. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Write it down. Patty Mahomes throws for 5,500 yards on the season, and all of them go to the three MVS, Juju, and Michael Hartman. They trade Travis Kelsey mid-year because he has zero yards. (laughs) Okay, look, I think think what what helps them here is the tight end rooms. Right, right, right. We, we right, had this two, conversation when we were talking about two the of NFL the best receiving week. tight ends in the NFL in this division with Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. And then I actually like Albert Okwebenam a lot. Damn, I was hoping you were to make Ben say his name <laughs> when he was coming out of Missouri. I remember him being like a really interesting option, or he wasn't out of. Anyway, I'm I'm thinking of he was in the same draft as Drew Locke, who was out of Missouri. I got it in my head. But Greg Dulcich went there too. One of the fastest tight end prospects we've seen in recent memory. If you needed a deep threat team, you might have it in Greg Dulcich of all people for the Denver Broncos. So the the tight end situations here are fantastic. I mean, Gerald Everett does everything you could possibly want him to. Just he's not a top-end receiver, so people don't think about him that way. But he does literally everything you could ask of him at the tight end position. 
So the Chargers aren't weak there either, in all honesty. No, that's fair. But now the big question, who's got the best line? This is a question I like to ask every time we come up on an AFC team. It can go any way, but yeah, who's got the best line out here this year? Not the Raiders, tell you that much. <laughs> Checks. Um, probably the Chargers. I don't know. I just don't like Andrew Wiley. I guess the Chiefs probably overall are a better offensive line. Corey Lindsley is an underrated, like, basically in addition. He still feels very new to me, to the Chargers. I, I see the Chargers offensive line as only having one weakness there as well. The same position, that right tackle spot. Trey Pipkins, the third, is not not necessarily going to cut it for years to come. Same with Andrew Wiley for the Chiefs. I would say Russell Wilson, this is probably the best offensive line he's played with since he won a Super Bowl. So that's good. And one was a fucking deep Not saying product. much. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Quinn Miners. The belly. The belly. I love it. I fucking love it. And I remember liking Lloyd Cushenberry III a lot coming out of LSU uh, as a mid-round center and has developed into pretty much exactly what I thought he would be, a pretty solid center. Um, overall, Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown in themselves probably make the Chiefs the best offensive line in the division. Joe Tooney and Trey Smith into guard spots probably solidifies that. Man, Matt Filer and Zion Johnson over in L.A. Very interesting combo as well. I'm, I'm interested to see how Zion Johnson develops this year. He's He's got a high mark ahead of him and, and probably a very good career. First round pick out of Boston College. No. First. When's the last time that's happened? I'm guessing Matt Ryan, but I think it's happened before that or after that. I'm sure that it has. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, now we have to Google it mid-show. Uh, Boston College. Um, I mean, Isaiah McDuffie, A.J. Dillon, Chris Lindstrom. Yeah. Okay, so, a couple, so, so about every couple of years? Uh, every year, there's at least one. That's terrible anyway so i i am gonna jump us down into the defense here um now the back end of these defenses might need a lot of help um at least playing against these quarterbacks but i can tell you where a lot of these teams have loaded up and it's worked is their pass rush um chargers are coming in uh they've got sebastian joseph day austin johnson uh Atito uh, Ogbenia, Christian Covington, and then the, the actual pass rush is going to be Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack, Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, and Joe Gaziano. What? Thanks! You just really called a man Otito. 
That's hilarious. Anyway. I mean, what's his name? Otito. I don't know how you Um, think that's Tito. I've never... I have concerns then, (laughs) sir. (laughs) No, Joey Bosa and Cleo Mag together is awesome. It's scary, man. Underrated at defensive tackle. Uh, Played very well for the Rams and stays in L.A. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, Not necessarily the best defensive line in this division which is a terrifying I, sentence to say i was gonna say so so who do you have as the best defensive line i don't know <laughs> i don't know not the yeah, chargers i just don't know who maybe not the chargers we'll see what happens i mean the raiders have max crosby chandler jones like what jonathan hankins is awesome andrew billings is awesome up the middle i like Bilal nichols they brought in to back him up i like Bilal nichols too but, you know, why would the Bears keep a good defensive tackle this fucking offseason? Uh, be, because fuck you. Too, that's be too that's fucking why. easy. I'm going to be Everything, drinking a lot it, during football it, season. Move that they knew would piss you off is what they just decided they would do. Basically. <laughs> I I will say I'm excited to see uh, what George Karloftis does this year. I know he's going to be a rotational right. piece out of Kansas City, but that's going to be a fantastic rotational piece, at but least to start the season. So is, so is Frank Clark anymore at his stage in his career. Exactly. Yep. So that's a pretty fantastic rotation. Um, and Chris Jones still up the middle. And yep. Derek Nottie, too. I mean, goodness. Danny Shelton's on the Chiefs now. That's crazy. I love Danny Shelton. <laughs> and then uh, even, even on the Broncos, I mean, Bradley Chubb, when he's been healthy, has been very good. And opposite of Draymond Jones is a piece that nobody really thinks about. But he's been a solid defensive lineman for a couple of years now. Well, I think Awuzariki is going to be an amazing rotational piece, too. I I would say so. I'm not going to try his first name. I'm just not. I, I got Awuzariki, and I'm happy with that. It's actually very simple. Ioma. I was going to say Ioma. Yeah, uh, I but I but I can't say I can't say Otito, but it's I- Ioma. Like, I don't know who has the best defensive line. I don't know. I can't answer that. It's too hard. I I am inclined <laughs> to go with the Chargers because aside from Khalil Mack, a lot of that group's been together longer. But I think if you're looking at the group's been together the longest, it's between the Raiders and the Chiefs. I don't know, man. It's there's really no good way to even try and make sense of who's going to be the best. Well, the Carlos only thing... Dunlap and Karloftis are both going to be in the rotation for sure for the Chiefs. So, if not starting, like that's that's going to be a factor. I can't really say that the Chiefs have been together that much longer than anybody else. Yeah, and the only one with continuity for sure is the Raiders because they're the only signings they had were backups. Even with that, Chandler Jones has only been with them for what half a season. Half a season. So I don't know. I, yeah, it's probably the Chargers. I just hate saying that because I like I, basically all of these defensive lines. I will say, looking down the list though, at the next position we have on our chart here. I do think across the board linebacker is the weakest position in this division. Um, there is some talent there. I just don't think they, anybody has a full set of linebackers 
uh, that I would be be happy to throw out there week in and week out. They'll get the job done, but it's overall to me an average position fill uh, across the across the division. I did not know that Joe Schobert signed with the Broncos. News to me. And Alex Singleton's there too. They both are Kyle. pretty mid now, but you know. I didn't know Fackrell was in uh, was in Las Vegas either, or that he was on the IR. Like that's that hurts right <laughs> off the bat. You've got somebody who would have been one of your top uh, right. top linebackers on the IR. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Josie Jewell personally for not great reasons. I, I can't tell you why. Uh, Randy Gregory coming in does make a difference, feels like. Yep. For the Broncos. Like I said, it feels excessively mid, though. Like, that that's the thing is they're, they're good players. They're just – they're yeah. not the elite players we've seen at pretty much every other position – while talking about these teams, which is probably why we're all unfamiliar with the, the linebacker rooms here, because there's nobody really jumping off the page. Kyle Van Noy hasn't really been a name in what three years. If he was a name in Miami and that's probably not, nobody talks about anybody from Miami. That's why Zach Taylor's not, or Zach Thomas is in the hall of fame. Oh, you said his name wrong on purpose. (laughs) Oh, I hate you. Hello. At least Divine Diablo has a cool name. Yeah, that's something. Divine he needs to make. He Divine needs Devil. to make some uh, some t-shirts. Uh, I, no, I, I am actually, interested. I, I was gonna say I'm interested Go to see what Nick Nick <laughs> Bonito does this year, but Bonito. Yeah, Bonito he, is. He's a rookie. It's gonna be. He's gonna get rotate rotated into that defense, and he is, by all accounts, kind of their middle linebacker of the future. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I actually have a fair amount of faith in the top three linebackers for the Chiefs. Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, and Leo Chanel are all interesting to me and I think have a lot of potential. But none of them have solidified themselves as like star players in any regard right now. So we'll see how that goes this year. I think all three of those guys have a lot of potential. And now the big area where all of these teams have been fighting for for years, uh, some through trades, some through free agency signings, and some through the draft, as we will see here. Some through all of the above. Yeah. (laughs) The defensive back rooms uh, have been, it seems, revamped across across the board, especially at the cornerback position. Um, The Broncos stayed relatively stable at... Uh, cornerback. However, they did bring on two rookies that were just so far down on the depth chart. I did not actually put them on here. Um, yeah, but Pat Sertan is going to play this year. So yep. that's cool. Pat, Pat Sertan's going to play. Ronald Darby is a solid player. Uh, Kawan Williams, another solid, uh, solid piece for them. Uh, Chiefs the bringing it. Dare you. <laughs> oh, that that's Michael Ojemudia. There you go. Yeah. Good job. Nice. All right. Uh, the the Chiefs have made the most additions through the draft this year alone. You've got Rashad Fenton uh, as their key returning starter, uh, then followed by Trent McDuffie, McDuffie uh, Legereus Sneed, uh, rookie Jalen Watson, and rookie Joshua Williams. That's three rookie cornerbacks in their top five, 
and they run a base nickel. Uh, so that's it's going to be huge for them to get get a lot of the, these rookies out there. Trent McDuffie is pretty dang good, though. So yep, yes, he is. <laughs> we'll see, like, it's, uh, if you're going to add a rookie to the top starting two line, there, that's a pretty dang good one to add. Yep. Uh, the Raiders coming in at defensive back with Trayvon Mullen Jr. as their their key starter, trading for Rocky Sin. I believe that was a draft day trade with the Colts. Uh, rookie Nate Hobbs, uh, Amick Robertson, and Anthony Averett also rounding out their uh, top five. And then the Chargers making the big splash in free agency, bringing in J.C. Jackson to play opposite Asante Samuel Jr. I could go deeper into their, their depth chart here, but those are a solid top two guys uh, for the Chargers there. Yeah, for sure. And I actually like the rookie a lot too. Just here, Taylor. I think the Chargers are set up here for a long time with JC Jackson being what, like just 17 he, years old, basically. I was gonna say, I think he just finished his rookie contract. <laughs> he just finished his freshman year of high school and got picked up by the Chargers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the cornerback rooms are pretty decent across the board here. Honestly, though, none of them jump out to me as great. Like, I need somebody to really step up and show that they are here to stay. Like, J.C. Jackson had a great season. I don't want to take that away from him. At the same time, I don't know if he can do that in a new scheme, in a new situation, with having to play these quarterbacks all the time. You know, and can... I think he's set up the best for it, though. I think when you... probably. When you start, Probably, when, you start moving, when you move a little bit further and start looking at the safeties here too, I think it's Derwin James and I think it's Trayvon Morig and then everybody else. Yeah. And because he's gonna have well, be able to Justin push guys Simmons, in the middle. Justin Simmons is yeah. A top three safety in the league to me. Yep. So not not even kidding. And it's it's funny that you bring that up the way you just said that, Doug and Ben. You bring up the safeties here because if you notice, all of these not Chiefs teams have gotten deep safeties, deep free safeties that are really good at playing that center fielder position. Almost right. like they're afraid Patrick Mahomes is going to uh, yeet it deep to uh, tie. Granted, that's not going to happen this year, but that's exactly what they were prepping for. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, as far as the Chiefs go, they're they're hurting the most of the position. Where right. last year we yeah. probably would have said they were the best in the division, right? Just from Justin, Justin honey Reed's badger. good, but he's not he's, he's not the honey badger, right? I don't. Deion know Bush anybody. is even all right, right? I I like Juan Thornhill. I, I don't hate like this room. Packages. I don't. Right. <laughs> it's just not what it was last and, year, and yet they're probably second worst in the division. Like only good thing about the Raiders safety room to me is Trayvon Merrig. I don't particularly like Jonathan Abram. Is it Merrig like, or is right it now, Merrig? Have we Merrig. Okay. Um I had Derwin James in this year, Adelie. He Woods. That's awesome. Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson. And Caden Stearns and DTY. I mean, that's 
that's a great safety room. That's probably the best thing about the Broncos defense is their safeties. So yeah. <laughs> the fact that we're talking bad about Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill and Deion Bush. <laughs> Another know, fucking free agent signing from the Bears because why wouldn't he be? Because fuck you in particular. It's <laughs> fucking amazing. All right, guys, looking down to the special teams, we have Brandon. I always mess up his name. I always think it's Brandon McManus. Please tell me it's Brandon. It's not Braden. It's Brandon. Brandon. Okay. Okay, cool. Brandon There's McManus. Let's go. Let's go, Brandon McManus. <laughs> I thought I, I honestly thought I spelled it wrong because I subconsciously always get his name wrong somehow. Or at least that's how I always feel. Um, uh, you subconsciously get a lot of names wrong. <laughs> yeah, 100%. He consciously gets a lot of names wrong, too. Uh, yeah, for the Broncos, you have Brandon McManus. For the Chiefs, Harrison Butker. Uh, for the Raiders, Daniel Carlson. And for the Chargers, you have Dustin Hopkins fighting for a roster spot uh, with rookie James McCourt. Uh, pretty steady across the, the the kicking rooms there for all of these teams. Uh, for the Broncos, their punter is either between Sam Martin or Corliss Waitman. Uh, Tommy Townsend is going to be putting it deep for the Chiefs. AJ Again. Cole for AJ Cole for the for the Raiders, and then J.K. Again. Scott coming in as a free agency for the Chargers. So I I gotta have a little bit little update here because I'm pretty sure Jacksonville had cut every single one of their kickers yes. Uh, yes. a couple days ago. Yes. And well, their kickers, not actually, their punters. James McCourt was actually on waivers, and so he is. <laughs> been signed by Jacksonville as of yesterday. I would personally like to see James McCourt go and be an attorney. I can already see the the I hate you commercials. I hate you. (laughs) Take him to McCourt. (laughs) Only if he only if he's a lawyer for McDonald's. Personal injury lawyer, James McCourt. Just, he could have he could have been the lawyer for that lady who burned herself with the coffee. Are you yes. Mick Donald? Are you Mick Hurt? Let me take you to Mick Court. <laughs> oh well. Wow. Um, and then good luck to James McCourt in the NFL. At least he won't get brutalized by his coach in Jacksonville this year, probably. Right. Probably. Right. We can't probably. confirm that. I make no guarantees. I just know it's not Urban Meyer anymore. So. All right, guys, finishing out the special teams. We have Montreal Washington, a rookie for Denver. Uh, McCole Hardman and Isaiah Pacheco are going to be returning kicks for the Chiefs. Hunter Renfro and Amir Abdullah, who I totally forgot was still in the league, uh, returning for the Raiders. And then DeAndre Nebraska Carter. Legend. DeAndre cool. Carter returning it for the for the Chargers. That Hunter being said... Renfro. Hunter Renfro, it's amazing to me that he's able to play both receiver and returner, considering he is a 107-year-old man. I mean, it's just... He's also, like, five feet tall. The 67th-year senior out of Clemson. Just unreal. Brady White wasn't even that old. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, shit. All right, guys. I'm going to kick us off with our predictions here. Um, I 
even going through the rosters today only solidified this even more for me. I think LA has it this year. This is the year they make that jump. Um, honestly, it's one or two games against the Chiefs that are going to be the difference in this, and I, I think they're going to pull it off this year. Uh, Kansas City's going to come in second. They will still be in the playoffs. Uh, and then Denver in third, followed by the Raiders pulling up the rear. To me, that's just how these rosters look. I'm going 100%, not predicting any records here. That's just my prediction for the standings. What do Wait, you guys have? You have you have the Raiders pulling up the rear. So in, you have the Las Vegas Butt Pirates. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> Doug's out here trying to get us canceled. Hell right. Uh, so uh, I'm winning the division still because why would they not? Uh, I have them going 13 and four, which I believe is the best record that I have going in the AFC. And it is. Um, I know everybody loves the bills and everybody loves the chargers this year. I just think if you're going to pick somebody to win a, a division, pick somebody who's has experience winning divisions and you'll have better success. Um, generally over time so i'm going to take the chiefs the chargers in second though i love i love this roster and i love their uniforms so it'd be really cool to see those uniforms in playoff action be really fun um i think the broncos are going to take third place and also make the wild card and then i'm gonna have the raiders the butt pirates also making the wild card that is right all three wild card teams of the afc coming out of the afc west this year what now, did the i know NFC west you did this with last year yes it was and how'd i'm not doing that for the nfc this year how'd that go but, though uh it went so well that i'm doing it again this year with the afc west this time and i'm going to be right eventually it will happen. I have no doubt, and I do think this is a vision for it to happen. I don't think the Broncos have it, though. I don't think they have. Well, I'm. I was just thinking together. Who else is going to make the playoffs? The Dolphins are allergic to the playoffs. The Colts, these are facts. The Colts can't get a quarterback. The Colts can't win in Jacksonville this season, or win in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is Jacksonville, so they're not going to make the playoffs. Maybe the. The stiffest competition is the Patriots, but not this year. Who's even on that roster right now? Mac Jones, Devontae Parker. <laughs> I'm taking the Broncos and the Raiders over that 10 times out of 10. All AFC wildcard teams out of the AFC West send it. Uh, the NFC North's going to send, or AFC North's going to send one. They're gonna, really? They're going to send one really? team. I think so. Really? The Bengals with a first place the, schedule? The entire. The Browns without a quarterback for half the year? The Steelers with. Two thirds of a year, sir. We covered that. In their two history. thirds of a year. Correct. The Steelers have probably the worst roster they've ever had in franchise history. We'll so. still go nine and eight. <laughs> well, if they go nine and eight, they're not making the playoffs because I have the worst team in this division going 10 and seven. Big brain. I've got the Chiefs in first, Chargers in second, and Raiders in third. They're all going to the playoffs. The Broncos, I think, need another year. That's just that's just where I'm at. I they they very well I could see any of us being right, honestly. 
I could see the see all of us being completely wrong and the Raiders winning. I can't actually see that. They're going to choke at some point. That's just what they've been doing. Thanks. Um, although we kind of determined that was John yeah. Gruden. So that Fresno State connection, baby. Yeah, but what you're saying, do you remember Josh McDaniels coaching in Denver? There's a lot of the no. same choke choke hazards. Does anyone remember him coaching in Denver? He coached Do in Denver. Broncos fans remember him coaching in Denver? No, Broncos fans have drank that out of their lives. Exhibit A. <laughs> uh, yeah, so AFC West is going to happen this year. You know what else is going to happen this year is college football, which I want to talk about because it's college football, and I love college football. And college football is back this week, by the way, if you didn't know that. We'll this talk about zero. those games here in a minute. Uh, but in the meantime, we have to wrap up our season preview. We've gone through every single conference. We've gone through the independents even and talked about basically every single team and what to watch out for in every single conference race. Now it's time to get down to some business. What's going to happen at the end of the year? What's going to happen come bowl season? Now there are a lot of bowl games. Uh, technically, there are 42 bowl games. And I don't want us to spend an hour and a half going through all of the bowl predictions. So we're going to talk about the New Year's Six Bowls and the National Championship. And then also uh, would like us to pick some Heisman finalists. And I think that so as to wrap up our college 2022 preview. Uh, I say let's start with bowl, which will be an at-large versus the top group of five champion this year. I think at-large is a fancy way of saying it's going to be an SEC school. Um, This is – I think the SEC is finally starting to live up to the hype that they've built up around themselves, Uh, and this conference is looking a lot stronger. Wish I'd been here. I enjoyed Disney, though. Uh, wish I'd been here for that episode. I've got this one, the at-large team being Georgia, and the top group of five being Houston. And while Georgia lost a lot, they did not lose so much that Houston is going to be too much of a problem for them. Uh, so you have a bold pick here. Yeah, yeah, Just go guys. for it. Uh, so I debated on being a homer here and being super, uh, super bold, but uh, I was talking to Doug – prior to the show and he's like dude just be bold and send it so i said it's it's in your heart of hearts just say what say what you chest so i didn't just send it i i full (laughs) sent it guys i'm gonna take the triple option in its first new year's six bowl out of uh colorado springs and air force taking on oklahoma because they're not going to be great but i think they're going to come in third in the big uh big 12 uh so for absolutely no reason, Air Force is gonna gonna win the Cotton Bowl this year for absolutely and you no will reason whatsoever. Still want to fire Troy Calhoun? <laughs> yeah, it, and okay. I will rub it Hold in on. your face. No, 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 no. So so let's back this up. I will make this deal with you guys right now. If Troy Calhoun can win a New Year's Six Bowl this year, I will back off that. I right. am all in on the Air Force Falcons. Shake hands on that deal. <laughs> Air Force thirteen and zero Cotton Bowl champions. Let's, Let's go, baby. <laughs> Print the shirt. Um, I have I, – I more agree with Bug here. This is going to be an SEC team. Now, it's a question of which two SEC teams make the playoffs. 
uh, which one makes their other tie-in and who's left over. So I'm going to say probably for the Cotton Bowl, I'm going to say Texas A&M. And I said back in our American preview, I think this is a really good year for UCF. They have everything in place except for Dylan Gabriel left them. John Reese Blumley is pretty dang good. And Gus Malzahn is a way better coach than they deserve <laughs> in the American right now. Um, they're going to come out swinging. And I'm going to say UCF actually takes this one too because that way they get to claim another national championship. Fucking spare me. Because if they go 14-0, and win the American, win the Cotton Bowl against Texas A&M, they can say they will have beaten Texas A&M, who beat Auburn, who in like week two or three will have gone to Penn State and beat Penn State, uh, who beat Michigan State, who gave Ohio State their only loss in the year. And therefore, transitive property, UCF, undefeated national champions. done all right moving on <laughs> uh so the next one is the this is the big 10 versus the pac 12 traditionally and it is this year uh we'll see how much yeah. longer those tie-ins stand <laughs> it's about to be a conference game right i mean Bowl, it could, big 10 conference it, championship it could still be no it could still be big big 10 and pac 12 or pac 10, pack eight, six. whatever they pack end up two? doing. Pack two? Like, we're, pack. we're working our way to pack two. The six pack. If the Pacific Coast Conference still exists, uh, this tie-in could still exist because, you know, reasons. I've got Michigan reasons. State. I've got Michigan State going against USC, and I've got USC winning this one. That would be a fun game. I'm going to say Utah it makes be, it that's back. That's mostly why I took it. <laughs> I'm going to say Utah makes it back. I uh, did have them winning the Pac-12, so Utah makes it back. And I'm going to say they go up against who ends up as the second-highest-ranked Big Ten team, and that would be the team up north. Yeah, I'm I'm a combination of the two of you here. I've got the team up north versus USC, and USC is taking it. That's the West Coast USC. <laughs> oh, I had You Utah mean the winning, one in the, the Pac-12? If yeah. I, if hey, anybody you knew, know, <laughs> if anybody had any d- doubt on who I was picking to win that game, I was picking Utah. <laughs> uh, now we have the Sugar Bowl, which is the SEC versus the Big Twelve. Yeah, I've got uh, Arkansas playing against Baylor. I think the Big Twelve is more open and going to be way more competitive this year than people want to talk about. Uh, and I think the champion of the Big 12 will end up in the playoff. And that's why I have Baylor actually being the representative here because I don't think they're going to win uh, the Pac-12. How, that being said, Arkansas has been coming up, and they are they were better than Baylor last year, in my opinion. They're going to be better than Baylor this year, too. I've got them winning this game. So I actually also have Arkansas here. I do not have Baylor. I do also have second place in the Big 12, though, uh, which I have as Oklahoma instead. So Arkansas versus Oklahoma would be awesome. And when Oklahoma wins that game, it would definitely fuel a lot of hot takes about how overrated Lincoln Riley is. And that would be enjoyable to me. Because I've fucked the condoms. 
I've got Arkansas Baylor as well, and I'm going to take Arkansas on this. Woo, pig suey. We all three have Arkansas going to the Sugar Bowl this year. I really hope that works out. We are yeah, the unofficial you know, fan dude, podcast. Of if, I, if I hadn't taken Arkansas in the Sugar Bowl, our next one's the Orange Bowl, by the way, which is ACC versus Big Ten, SEC, or Notre Dame ends up there a lot too. Uh, I would have put them in here going against Clemson. However, I have Clemson going against Notre Dame because everybody wants to see that game again. And who wouldn't? Uh, DJ Uagalele is going to get his revenge, though, and actually beat Notre Dame this time. I know I probably cut you off a little bit there, so I'll let you get back to what you are saying. I, I was just going to say, it's so hard to predict these tie-ins because you got to keep in mind who you have going to the uh, – college football playoff and then oh you got to do the math and figure out who's seated where and the way it ranks out Th- this is tough right. it is tough but it's also fun and that's why we do it so yeah uh acc versus either big 10 sec or notre dame is the orange bowl i hate that way the way that tie-in works but also the big 10 and sec have their own other tie-ins and this is the only one for the acc so i guess it makes some sense um, Clemson Notre Dame is a regular season matchup, so I'd be surprised if Notre Dame is in the New Year's Six. I would be surprised if the Orange Bowl takes them, just because of that potential rematch. So I'm actually going to take yeah, Clemson. I don't... See, that hasn't stopped uh, the College Football Playoff Committee and the Bowl Committee before. Uh, you know, last year. I mean the. True, but I would say the playoff is a little bit different than the other New Year's Six Bowls, and they try to do as good of matchups as possible for the New Year's, the other bowl games. Um, the playoff, they only seem to care about making sure that ESPN <laughs> makes money. In. Yeah. So, anyway, I also have Clemson in, but I'm going to take Purdue uh, to make the Orange Bowl here, which would be what, the third uh, Big Ten team making a New Year's Six Bowl for me, which feels like a lot, but also the SEC is going to get like four or five. So why is that a lot? Um, Purdue would be, what, the number three Big Ten team in this situation. And if they win this game, Jeff Brom gets a lifetime contract. That's what that means. (laughs) You can be the head coach here for literally forever. Stadium after and they'll after this they'll season. start they'll start <laughs> playing that clip of him in the XFL before every game too, and that'll be the best college football tradition, bar none. Not entirely perfect. Good, I'll say it. The for Boilermakers, now. the Boilermakers are now a football school after they beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl. What do you got, Todd? Yeah, I've got Clemson. I'm going with my third-ranked uh, Big Ten team. It's going to be Michigan State. Uh, yeah, it's three teams, and yeah, it's three teams from the Big Ten East, but uh, that's how it goes, kiddo. Um, I've got Michigan State winning this one. <laughs> I love the confidence for the Big Ten East. <laughs> well, I've got I've got something similar because they're not going to play each other in the semifinals, which this year are going to be the Peach and Fiesta Bowl for the college football playoff. But I have three teams from the SEC West that'll be one, two, and three as far as how the SEC breaks down. It's not a knock on Georgia. Uh, I just think that the SEC West is incredibly stacked. And one or two, it could be interchangeable, honestly. But for the sake of this, Alabama will have won. 
the SEC championship. Texas A&M will have lost to Alabama at some point during the year, and that is why they're not uh, getting the one seed. They'll go in as the three seed because we don't want to have the you know a SEC rematch in the first round. We but Alabama just have the SEC rematch in the national championship. Exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so good for ratings, as evidenced by the last two times it happened, where mm-hmm. everybody turned in? Yeah, and so good. And Alabama will play the Big Twelve champion, number four seed Oklahoma State. I like where Oklahoma State has gone. They they're kind of comparable to how Clemson kind of came up. They have had several years where they couldn't get over the hump, couldn't get over the hump. They finally did. And I think they're really going to take that in stride and push this program to the next level for the first time in years. So that's awesome, but they're going to lose to Alabama. And I'll just roll straight into the Fiesta Bowl, the other semifinal game. I already mentioned Texas A&M is going to be the third team or third seed. Eight and four, that's the joke. That's what everybody says. Everybody should, ex- you know, frankly should expect. But they're going to go 11 and one, find themselves in the Fiesta Bowl. And, oh, by the way, they're going to get to play Ohio State, who they are not going to beat. Uh, so we're looking at a national championship of Alabama and Ohio State. We can give our picks at the end here. I'll let you guys make your uh, your predictions elsewhere, and then we'll get, I guess, our national championship predictions at the end. Yeah, who do you have in the semifinals, Tug? All right, guys, I went way off the reservation here again. Um, I only have one SEC team. I did it. Wow. Yeah. Um, Unreal. I know. I'm, I'm such an a- SEC naysayer trailblazer Um, shocker i have alabama at number one uh but i have acc champion miami coming in at number four uh they're probably sitting at 12 and one after their conference championship game that seems about right um again i'm i'm just going off the reservation i'm being bold hot takes here we go uh i have alabama winning the peach bowl so not that crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) the fiesta bowl i do have ohio state uh, but they're taking on the Big 12 champion. That's where I grew a bug here, Oklahoma State. Um, man, another solid game. I also think it's probably going to be heavily in favor of uh, Ohio State. But we like talking about matching up our college football playoff among storylines. How about Jim Knowles going up against his former Cowboys in the college football playoff? That is primo storylines for you there. Uh with Ohio State showing that Jim Knowles is, in fact, a good defensive coordinator. Uh, And, oh, by the way, they have a fantastic offensive coordinator also winning, leading to an Alabama-Ohio State national championship game. See, here's the thing. I agree with almost everything you said there, which is why I can't have Oklahoma State making the playoff. I think Jim Knowles is good enough that Oklahoma State is not going to win the Big 12 this year. Uh, I do have the Big 12 champion making the playoff, though. That would be Baylor for me, and I have them losing to Alabama uh, in the Peach Bowl because, of course, they would. It's Alabama. Sorry, Baylor. Good season for you. Uh, Your reward is getting bitch slapped by Nick Saban. (laughs) Then in the Fiesta Bowl, I do have Ohio State uh, as the number two seed, and I would say... I kind of hate it, but I think it's very likely we see a situation where a lot like this past season, uh, maybe maybe we have an undefeated Georgia going into the championship game. They kind of they bypass 
a couple of the tougher teams in the East this year. And then Alabama with one loss somewhere. And then Alabama wins that game instead of losing that. You know, it, it kind of, I don't know, makes some weird scenario in it your mind. It works out again, yeah. Where Alabama's the one seed and Georgia's the three seed for a reason. Um, I I just don't have enough faith in Texas A&M, first of all, to make that possible. Uh, Arkansas isn't there either. And I would say, as crazy as it is to have two teams from the same conference, it is crazier still to have two teams from the same division make the playoff. I know it. if it's going to happen, it's going to be the SEC West because reasons, but I don't see that this year. I'm going to have Alabama over Baylor and Ohio State over Georgia. Uh, so all three of us have Alabama versus Ohio State in the national championship. I feel like I feel every like... expert is predicting that national championship game. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, but also I it's can't wait to see that game. <laughs> it's it's going to be a good game. <laughs> when, when you're looking at the talent levels this year, it really is Alabama, Ohio State, big drop the field. Off. Everybody mm-hmm. else. Like... The field, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it's time to make our picks for the national champion. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I am an Ohio State fan. And based off of the years that we have won a national championship and like how our roster works out for that to happen and all this kind of stuff, if not this year, it's going to be a while before we're in a position to win the national championship again. And by that time, there will be so many people calling for Ryan Day's head that he'll be gone to the NFL. And I'm praying that doesn't happen to the point where it almost feels like a championship or bust, which sucks. But also, I think this is a team that can get that done. So I'm going to take Ohio State over Alabama. And I know a lot of that is because I'm a Ohio State fan, but I I like this roster a lot, and this coaching staff is really good. And they're recruiting well enough to do it. So, if not now, I don't know when. I'm going to take Ohio State. You don't pick against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I'm not picking against Nick Saban and Alabama in the national championship. What's funny about saying that, though, if you go back and look, Everybody that's been to the college football championship more than once is 500. Since they've gone to this playoff format, the only teams that are not 500 are LSU, who's won it once, and Oregon, who's lost it once. Everybody else is 500. It's almost yeah. like ESPN's paying for it to happen that way. Crazy thought. Why would you ever? But I'm the conspiracy wild guy. conspiracy. I'm oh, the one making. Hold on, hold on. Here. I'm not the little leaguer that straight up called out ESPN in the Little League World Series. Don't fucking get me started on those kids. <laughs> that was fantastic. Incredible. I I love everything about it. It's almost if, as good as the mullet championship. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody beats that one kid's favorite actress, who we will not highlight on uh, on the show tonight. We should we're already gone dude we all right the show has been bannable on twitch for like the last two hours all right guys i have <laughs> i do have ohio state winning um i just 
for me, this is going to come down to wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs. And I think CJ Stroud has an edge on Bryce Young. Jackson Smith and Jigba is a fantastic wide receiver. Alabama just lost another slew of them. Granted, they always do. Um, and then, yeah, Travion Henderson. I, yeah, I, I think Alabama or uh, Ohio State set across the board right now. Uh, they have higher upside with some of these players than I see see at Alabama. I'm going to take Ohio State. See, see, normally, this is just hilarious. Normally, when you list like a position, th- it's going to come down to this position. You na- limit it to like one position, but you just started listing different positions there. I thought you were going to say, this for me really comes down to quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end, offensive line. It comes down to defensive line, linebackers, and defensive backs. <laughs> I'm not, also, I'm not comes, John Madden. <laughs> it comes down to your kicker and your punter <laughs> and your return guy. And your water boy and your towel boy, your athletic trainer. See, so it comes, I was. It comes down to your head coach, your coordinator, your other coordinator, the gratis coordinator. <laughs> I was going to go with one, but then I, I started thinking of the different areas where I actually do think Ohio State has an edge, and, and those are going to play a factor. Well, well shit. I, I mean, we, we've talked about it a little bit. We all have, you know, moving into our Heisman finals here, we all have pretty much the same top three and uh cj stroud is on that list for all of us tug you have bryce young at four me and doug have him at three and then things kind of get interesting from there you mean bryce two yep sorry see here's the thing with bryce young for me he is going to put up similar numbers to last year unless he surpasses his numbers from last year noticeably he's not going to win the Heisman. Exactly. And that sucks because even if he does worse than last year statistically, but is the best player in college football this year, he should win because that's the way the award is supposed to work, but it won't work that way. It's, it's been that way. And I don't think he has a chance to surpass his own stats well enough to be a legitimate contender to win. I think he's going to get a whole lot of second place votes. I, I mean, <laughs> that's where I'm at with him. I personally, I have Will Anderson second. I I don't really have a reason for having Bryce Young fourth. Um, was just kind of messing around with it, change it up a little bit. Uh, Will Anderson second. The dude's a monster out there, and I think he's actually going to show and put up monster stats this season. That'd be the piece I'm afraid of if I'm Ohio State. Is is Will Anderson? Yeah, Ohio State's supposed to have the best offensive line in the country this year, so we'll see. See what happens. Well, I've got a, uh, I've got Bijan Robinson, right, Travion Henderson, right. representing uh, the running backs uh, in college football here very well. Yeah, uh, and I think it's going to be obviously Travion Henderson. He's going to be in the same offense as CJ Stroud. He is going to have a good year. He's going to be deserving of votes, but he's not going to get it because the quarterback position is more valuable. The fourth guy I have of my five finals would be DJ Uyagalele, and why I have Bijan Robinson and DJ Uyagalele so low is because they're going to have great years, but their teams are not complete enough to do everything that they need to do to get their team into the college football playoff or, in Texas's case, win their conference, which is, right. I mean, you can't put that on a running back, so to speak, but they're, they're going to have great years. They're going to look great, perform great, and be better than they were last year. 
it's just not going to be enough for their team or for the Heisman. Yeah, so I I like those picks. I will say that one of the biggest problems for Ohio State in terms of the Heisman only, not in terms of anything else. Basically, exactly what you were talking about, Tug. They have so much great, great pieces at a couple of different positions. So how do you balance that when it comes to Heisman voting when you have C.J. Stroud, who is one of the top two quarterbacks in the country, Travion Henderson, who is one of the top five, I would say, running backs in the country, hands down, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's one of the top three receivers in the country. So I don't see a way where there's more than one who really cracks the top four unless two or three of them do and none of them win, right? Like it's, they're going to split votes from each other or it's going to work out in such a way where the voters reward one of them. And I don't see a way where there's more than one Ohio state player making, making it to New York this year personally, but it's, I mean, we've seen it before it happens. So, I mean, so only, again, you've only got four guys listed. I could see Travion Henderson being the fifth in your list as well. Yeah, I mean, I love Travion Henderson. I will say though, Mayan Williams is probably going to be pushing for a thousand yards again, which hurts Travion Henderson's chances. And I believe that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to get so much attention that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming are going to get pretty dang open on some plays. Yep. And that, to me, means C.J. Stroud will probably be the only one who actually gets an invitation to the ceremony, even though it is very possible that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best player on that offense this year. He might get double and triple teams so often that he doesn't get the stats to get this award. Now, I will say there's a better chance that you see a situation like Bryce Young getting invited because they play opposite sides of the ball. Yep. The problem for Will Anderson is if he misses a single game or if it's done. there's one game where he underperforms, he will get an invitation as a good job. You play football, but you don't matter for the Heisman ceremony. That's unfortunate. I hate the way that works. He should have won it last year. Chase Young should have won it in 2019. We've seen situations like this several times now. Will Anderson was the best player in college football last year and didn't even get votes. So I think he'll get invited because of the media hype around him now, because of the outrage that he wasn't invited last year. Um, so I, I think that's another situation, though. It might be Bryce Young and Will Anderson end up splitting votes for Alabama. I just want to defend my last pick here because it is another one that's way off the radar. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke getting invited is simply based on my prediction that Miami makes the college football playoff. Miami gets there. Tyler Van Dyke had something to do with it. He's the quarterback. He gets an invite. That's why he's coming in fifth for me. There's no like, oh my God, this guy's nuts. No, it's he's in a position where if his team can succeed, he will be rewarded. So my fourth would probably be B. Sean Robinson, just because he is the best running back in the country. Hands down, he does everything extremely well. And if Texas wins more than, I don't know, five games this year, if they're bowl eligible, they'll get some love from the Heisman voters. Uh, fifth for me would probably be Caleb Williams, 
but I don't know that five get invited to New York. Um, I mean, Caleb Williams, if he played a whole season last year, might have ended up winning it last year. Don't don't so, make the typo I just made when for some reason I put Caleb Anderson. Yeah, um, I knew you just typed Will Anderson. So yeah, fine. yeah, because no, I that one. I was like I can't remember who he is for some reason. So I went and googled it, and apparently he's a suspect in a Green Bay murder trial. So not Caleb Anderson. He is definitely not going to the Heisman ceremony. Caleb, I mean, he might be going, but maybe for some bad reasons. I don't want to see what he's going there for. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, with Ohio State doing as well as I expect them to, and with as many receiving options as they have, I'm gonna say C.J. Stroud wins Heisman this year, uh, which would be the first Heisman winner for the Ohio State University since Troy Smith. I, I think we all have C.J. Stroud. I don't yeah. think we need to belabor this point here. <laughs> I hope so. And you I know really why so. we don't need to belabor this point? Why? Because we have something awesome coming up. We have week, week zero. zero of week zero. the college football season to talk about. And really, let's be real. There's there's one game worth watching, right? Like I'm not I'm not breaking anybody's heart by saying that. I mean, other than you get to watch real know, life football again, there are know, going to be good games, but there's only one that I think is really worth. But there's one that everybody wants to see, but I think there are a couple of good games on this slate, like competitive. Oh, no, there's definitely good games matchups. Like Wyoming at Illinois is going to be. I don't think Illinois named the starting quarterback yet. Because I was right. thinking about this earlier too. I think I'm still taking Illinois. You know, I, I I'm confident they'll win, but Wyoming could definitely surprise them. Definitely give and them a run for their money. Same thing with North Texas and UTEP. Like I think that's going to be a good. That is going to be a bit. Yes, actually, that is going to be an excellent group of five matchup. I mean, I don't know. Western is the one about and already is talking about it's going to be played in dublin which is already wild uh did yeah. you see though that you can get a a pint of guinness and a hot dog combo for 13 bucks at the stadium i swear they need to make that a thing in every stadium everywhere that is beautiful <laughs> a pint of guinness <laughs> and a hot dog 13 dollars yes. american i believe so i believe it was american prices because of that's, i mean Nebraska that's not... Northwestern coming in it's well you've cool. got stadiums out here like at&t that are charging 10 for a pint and 12 for a hot dog like right you're golden I mean, that's true that's true. right when you're thinking that's, of stadium prices that's not bad that's a steal and a half and Very i would true. kill Very to true. see those prices at like every stadium i go to it's, it's been a minute since i've been to a football game all right that's minute. why you need to consider going down to El Paso and watching North Texas at UTEP. Long fucking drive. <laughs> well, pack your shit. You're I'm way more out. likely to try and get that plane ticket to go out to Hawaii and watch them kick the shit out of Vanderbilt. <laughs> that's your uh, late night action that's that's your late night oh, ah, I, I i'm i got a bet on one more game fuck it i'm up. right 
right? You know, the bad game of the week, the very bad game of the week is going to be UConn, Utah State. If Uh Utah State doesn't win by 70, they need to cancel the the season. Either that or UConn's bowl eligible this year. One of those two things is going to happen. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. College football's back. So great. College football is fucking back, baby. I love everything about it. So we do have to wrap things up. And by wrap things up, I mean getting in his bracket with your uh, because of course we do. Bracket time is one of the greatest inventions in human history, and we have our very own piece of bracket history. As we are counting down the greatest stadiums in all of the FBS, uh, we're starting with the Power Five plus five, it makes it a very nice sixty-nine teams to be looking at here nice um and we are actually closing in on the last part of this bracket we have four matchups today and that right there is going to solidify who makes the quarterfinal as a whole so these four matchups are very important thank you so much for your votes on twitter uh we need some more of them bring it on Get those votes on Twitter, folks. And if you're watching us live, you can always feel free to throw it in chat as well. And that will hold more weight than if you vote on Twitter because we're easily swayed like that. So let's get into these four matchups we have going on today. Uh, First things first, we have the Ohio State University up against University of Kentucky. This is Ohio Stadium versus Kroger Field. And our Twitter poll was very decidedly in favor of the horseshoe. Doug, this is a hometown matchup for you. Is it? Is it nice seeing that Kentucky made it all the way to, to lose to Ohio State in the shoe? Kentucky is in Lexington, which is an hour away, and I don't care about them. So, OH, baby. <laughs> Take that for what you will. You want to know, uh, I'm going to save this for later in the bracket when I need to pull out the big guns. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, interesting I'm, tidbit for you guys, but factoids can wait. Yeah, we I'm moving the shoe on. <laughs> I am going to vote for Kroger Field. I'm fucking kidding. No, I'm not. Let's move on. Good. All right. So <laughs> next up, we do have Clemson up against Oregon. This is Clemson Memorial Stadium up against Alton Stadium. Uh, two of the most unique stadiums in the country, honestly. Uh, by design and by entrances too actually um the social media poll loved them so much that they tied and Austin stadium actually had a pretty good early lead clemson came roaring back uh pun intended there i man the tigers came roaring back that's good stuff hard i love the look from the overhead of Watson Stadium. Right. I, I absolutely love it. I really don't. Like, the asymmetry, granted, they both have it, but the fact that the higher you get up, like, it, the angle, at least from, from the, the heads-down look, the angle at which the top seats of Watson sit look way worse and way further away from the field than 
than Clemson. I mean, that being said, no matter where you're sitting, if you're in the, the upper deck in either of these stadiums, you're not watching football. You're watching it on the jumbo trying. You just spent a lot of money to do that. Right. You paid, you paid you a paid lot of money atmosphere. to watch a giant yeah. TV. You paid for the I, atmosphere. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Death Valley here personally. One to one comes down to me. That's crazy. Uh, I didn't say I took Austin stadium. I said, I like the look of it. Well, that's a vote in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> no, what do you what do you think for real? Honestly, I this is very close. Austin Stadium is significantly smaller than Clemson, <laughs> which right really only plays in the seating. I don't want to use it as a reason here. Uh, but what I will say is, you would think Clemson would have a little bit of an issue because they just have a giant fucking hill in one end zone. But they just let the fans go in, fill it in after the team has probably the most impressive entrance in college football uh death valley this is one of the two death valleys in college football and they nobody even tries to fight this they just both acknowledge that the other one exists well they're both tigers anyway so yeah and they move on with their lives um the rock the entrance i mean how can it not be clemson man all right Two if you're wanting us to go, if you're wanting us to go with Austin Stadium, your job just got a lot harder to convince both of us. Yeah. Well, I know I'm not going to convince Tug because Clemson Memorial Stadium still has grass. I, I mean, not to mention I voted against Austin the first time. I know you just hate Austin Stadium for some reason. It looks weird. You look weird, and I don't hold that you're against right. you. And people don't <laughs> like me. Um, one of the things that I really dislike about Clemson Memorial Stadium is the way the, the it's a weird asymmetry, what I'm talking about, with yeah. the end zones. And the sides are impressive, but the end zones are... Just they are very lackluster in comparison. Yeah. And Odson to me is one of the most unique stadiums in the world. The way it's kind of built into a semi-artificial hill uh, that was kind of there to begin with, but they accentuated it and made it into just let's dig into the top of this hill and put a stadium right here you nature we we believe in football more than we do in hills which is dope um (laughs) doesn't have a hill too though literally in their stadium yeah but that's like a problem dude you gotta flatten that shit out (laughs) uh you want to have at least you want to have at least some hill in every stadium for water runoff nah yeah. Water water runoff is for chumps. Also, it's natural grass that can handle being flat. Um I don't know. I just love the look of Austin Stadium and I really don't like the look of Clemson Memorial. I don't have great reasons for that. I just I, I think I think looking specifically at the stadiums and every like when you look just compare Austin Stadium to Clemson Memorial Stadium, I do think this is very close. When you start so really digging things, into one some of the other things, things I will say the way 
the curvature of Autzen kind of works. It was designed to do some of the similar things that other stadiums in the Northeast, uh, Northwest, I should say, are known for, uh, where they kind of accentuate some of the atmosphere in a way that this weird traditional, semi-traditional look from Clemson really doesn't. Like, obviously it gets loud there, but so much sound escapes Clemson Memorial Stadium. And you can tell when you're watching a game, even on TV, Whereas Autzen, it is much smaller, and yet it feels that much bigger when the crowd is that much louder, which they definitely are. I I love the atmosphere of Autzen Stadium more than I do Clemson Memorial. And I will say to me, I know this might lose it for me straight off the bat, I think Touching the Rock's way overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, another thing that loses it for me is while the stadium shape itself and the hill do lend itself to looking like the elongated, more ovalish O for the Oregon logo, uh, the bottom level of seating looks like the block O of Ohio State. And this is not a knock on Ohio State, but it looks like they don't know what they're doing uh, when they design their stadium and their stadium look. So. <laughs> Uh, it is it is super finicky and super picky and super dumb, but that ultimately is a big knock for me against Austin Stadium and why I go All more right. towards Clemson Memorial Stadium anyway. I so mean, I really am not a fan here. of both. Well, Clemson is moving on anyway. Uh, we have Thanks. one Death Valley through, and we have the other Death Valley here in this next matchup. Now, social media did go with LSU, but they are up against the University of Illinois. Uh, I'm very surprised that Illinois has made it as far as they have. At the same time, it's a great stadium. I, I respect Memorial Stadium a lot. I hate the name, but you know, Illinois, the stadium looks pretty cool. Um, but also, this is Death Valley at LSU Tiger Stadium. What do you guys think? I'm I'm taking Death Valley too. Um, yeah, they. They make the numbers every five yards look amazing. Yeah, they do, I'm, which is weird then, because I normally don't like that. I know. And then <laughs> Illinois, man, it's a great stadium. It, it really looks like is a great three stadium. separate sets of grandstands. Right. It I is. I think it is. It is. <laughs> They're not connected. Uh, yeah. I and, hate that. And yet they're about to get like $75 million a year in media money. So oh, here's connected. it is connected on one end. Looks like. I mean, that's yeah. so it's two it separate grandstands. <laughs> this, this one uh, in the top, in the top picture, the one that you can see, that is the student section, which is why it is separate. So it's actually a good thing that it's separate in my opinion. Fair. Fair. Um, but, but also, yeah, I, Death Valley's Death Valley. So, yeah, this this isn't a conversation. <laughs> it was going to happen yeah. eventually. Uh, so, LSU and our last matchup of the day, we have Florida versus Michigan State. Uh, ben Hill Griffin versus Spartan Stadium. Now, social media, this one was pretty close. They did go with Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in the end, though. What do you guys think? I kind of like I kind of like Spartan Stadium more. 
I have no particular reason. I like the way it looks better, especially from that overhead view. I just, I like Spartan Stadium more. This was close for a reason. It was absolutely close for a reason. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the swamp. I, the swamp is a significantly harder place to play than That's Spartan fair. Stadium. And there's a lot to back that up. Michigan State has had some amazing wins, and the crowd has played a huge factor in those as well. I'm not taking anything away from Spartan Stadium in that factor. But the Swamp is known for this. And it's known for this beyond the annals of college football. It's, it's got to be Ben Hill Griffin Stadium for me. And that pushes Florida along here. They will be facing one of the death valleys next time uh <laughs> man this, we have four more matchups coming up next week and i really hope you guys vote on these because we're getting down to some very interesting conversations for I'll, sure i'll tell you what we're gonna have some interesting conversations next week but when we get back to tiger stadium versus the swamp mm-hmm. oh that's man. gonna be brutal we spent we spent a lot of time talking about Clemson Memorial Stadium and Autzen Stadium for no reason. We're gonna <laughs> true. We're gonna spend an hour talking about Tiger Stadium versus the Swamp. I mean, yeah, please no. <laughs> but first up, we have next week uh, University of Virginia versus Florida State, Scott Stadium versus Dokes Campbell. Two very, you know, upstanding academic-looking facilities. I kind of like the look of both of these. It's going to be a fun Next up, we do have Bryant-Denny versus Husky Stadium. Um, Two very opposite styles. Right, and two very opposite sizes. (laughs) Uh, The third matchup of the day, we do have Davis-Wade up against Camp Randall. Uh, Two mid-tier programs as far as conference titles are concerned and yet at the same time they have made it all the way up to the same level as alabama so far for their stadium we'll see how that continues um last matchup we have next week is boone pickens stadium Oklahoma which State is our against. smallest remaining stadium followed closely by uh davis wade stadium so our two smallest stadiums are still here and then uh boone pickens is going up against the rose bowl so tough draw good luck. Yeah, yeah good luck there <laughs> i know tug is still gonna vote against the rose bowl because he hates this one overhead picture and thinks it defines the rose bowl but you know that's okay that's all right that's why we're here and that's why social media is here we need your help on twitter to overrule tug and his <laughs> hatred of the rose bowl just and overrule me and everything it works and also that one wide receiver for the broncos that you definitely hate for some reason what's his name jay hamler Damn it, Ben. I want to see if he remembered. I didn't. I just remembered you were a hater. I wasn't a hater. (laughs) But, man, we've been going for two and a half hours. Oh, God. That is two and a half hours too long to be listening to us. So, if you made it this far, congratulations. You have won a personal thank you from each of us. And at the same time, if you want that in writing, uh, follow us on Twitter at BTFootball. And then tell us that you (laughs) and tell us about the end of the show and that you want it in writing. Just say that. Don't say anything else. You want it in writing and we will 
we will send a personal thank you. Um, <laughs> I need to get out of here before I make any dumb promises. I already made one. I need to get out of here. Hey, where do you take somebody <laughs> with a peekaboo injury? I'm going to be depressed. Um, the ICU. Ah, damn it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, all of the links will be in the description below. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win in the trenches.